What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. I'm really excited for today's show. Um, big football week we have this week. Uh, big games regarding the NFL playoffs. We got this, what we're now calling the Super Wild Card Weekend with three games on both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we also got some controversy involving some star players on one team, some uh, some players that were pretty upset with how the season ended in Week 17. Uh, we also have college football national championship. We crowned the new Heisman. So this is a very football-centric show. This is going to be um, almost all football. So if that, if that if pigskin is your thing, then you know, we definitely want to hang out with us for the next hour or so. Should be a really good podcast. Joining me is my co-host, starting, uh, Kendall Stewart. Now, Kendall, uh, it's been a, a crazy week, uh, not just in the sports world, but obviously in the country with everything that's going on. But one of the things that I think crossed right before we got on the air today or got on this podcast was, uh, I guess you would call strife in Houston, potentially. You got yeah. uh, Deshaun Watson, according to Ian, uh, Ian uh, Rappaport, very upset with the situation down in Houston. Of course, he's their star quarterback. He just... Uh, won the passing yards crown this season, uh, leading the NFL in passing yards. And apparently, according to uh, reports now, he is very disappointed with how the Texans have gone about the beginning of this offseason in their GM search and coaching search. There was apparently communication on both sides that Watson would be involved in, you know, the the, the search for a new head coach and new general manager, which uh, was, of course, going to have to happen after uh, Bill O'Brien was fired and um, obviously, they came into the season without a GM. He was their interim GM, and then he was gone. He was also their head coach. Now, uh, a big overhaul is coming, and we've seen Deshaun make uh, public statements about the need to have uh, a culture change in Houston, and here we are, him very unhappy, apparently, that they did not uh, talk to him before making their GM hire this week. And now we're in a position where uh, they haven't spoken in days, apparently. Well, it's funny... It's funny, EJ, because uh, I'm sure you remember the conversation we had last week uh, before, I believe it might have been before our Wonder Woman review, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 review. Um, check that out uh, if you've seen the movie. Um, yeah. But, uh, or it was after that review, but I think it was around that, I think it was that week. I had mentioned to you and Shamari that uh, I was watching that Texans Bengals game. And it was a game that I'm sure very few people were watching, but, you know, I like to yes. have on a. Uh, you know, uh, kind of. A, I think I was following it for fantasy purposes. I Gio Bernard on my fantasy team, so <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I was still in it at that point. I was, and I was following that game closely. And during the telecast, I don't remember who the who the color analyst was. I believe it was Greg Jennings, but he mentioned how, um, you know, he talked to JJ uh, Watt, and and he talked to that Texans, and I, I believe they might have been. I don't know if they talked to JJ Watt. Or they talked to Cal McNair, but they mentioned how. Uh, the owner, Kyle McNair, was going to make sure that J.J. Watt was very involved in the hiring process because, you know, they felt he was, you know, he knew what it was like to lose, essentially, uh, to quote Thanos. Uh, <laughs> he knew what it was like to lose. But, um, and when he said that, I thought that was interesting because they didn't say anything about Deshaun Watson. And in my head, I was like, I mean, just, in my head, I was, I, the only thing I could think about was just the classic Texans. You're going to include J.J. Watt, who's not going to be here five years from now, and you're not going to include the franchise quarterback who won an actual championship in college, has gotten here and been done pretty much everything you could have wanted from a guy uh, drafted 
um, in the first round as a quarterback and at the quarterback position. It's carried this team through injuries and, and everything else, carried this franchise for years, especially this season. And no mention of him being involved in that, in this head coaching search, in this hiring process, in this GM search. And there have been reports afterwards that, you know, he may be involved as well, but it seemed they were they were focused specifically on Watt, and Watt was a conversation. Maybe it was just, that was just, you know, analysis where like, oh yeah, Watt made a play and they wanted to reference that, but right. it seemed like it was Watt and solely Watt. And it bothered me at the time, and I mentioned it to you guys, how this is just a, this is just a, a it's a it's a it's it's a malfeasance of of your of your duty to not include Deshaun Watson in those conversations. And if what we if what we're getting now is true, I mean, he had to tweet a couple of days ago where he tweeted some things never changed, and some people thought is he tweeting about you know some of the social injustice around the country, or is he tweeting about the Texans? Um, I assumed he was just tweeting about the stuff that was going on in the country. But because we had the that was hours after the whole Jacob Blake situation, the cop uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And that's why I figured he was tweeting about. But then now you piece together the fact that apparently there was also right after they hired Nick Casario, Casario from from New England to be their GM. And if he wasn't involved in the process, then it makes sense why he would tweet something never changed. And you couple that with the, um, you know, there's a report from Albert Breer saying that he wanted Eric Bieniemy, and they haven't even interviewed Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, oh, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that um, reporters have been making note of that. Like they put that out there, and, and to me, when I see, it's not that that's not something that's not notable. It is notable, but it does it does strike me as someone's pointing you to something. Yeah, someone pointed you to this. Yeah. yeah, and I, I wonder if Deshaun got it out there saying, "Yo." They're not interviewing my guy. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, and so all right. I mean, look, Deshaun Watson. Is, first of all, I want to ask you, EJ, because you've you've been following this game longer than I have. What what examples can you think of of superstar players in the NFL requesting trades? But obviously, in the NBA, it happens every off season where we become numb to guys like James Harden just. Not showing up for practice. Yeah, I mean, well, we had, I mean, we had the Jets this, this year with Jamal Adams. Um, yeah, yeah, Jamal Adams. Uh, I wouldn't. It's tough. I personally, he's an, all, he's an all pro. Yeah, yeah, he's an all pro. I mean, it, it, Deshaun Watson seems like another level because he's a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, like that kind of impact guy. I mean, Antonio know. Brown last year. Yeah, we would have uh, considered we would have considered him a superstar even beyond what we saw from this season. The antics were so crazy that his value was so low. Like we're talking about a guy who in in Deshaun Watson whose value is yeah, like a guy who has a top five or ten yeah. value in the league. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. it's, been, it's been a long time. You know, it's it's yeah. rare. I mean, it's rare you have you know the quarterback. That's probably the better question. I think we've had star players request trades in recent years, but it's more rare to have the the quarterback request a trade. The last guy I could think of that where I saw that happen was Jay Cutler. Um, Jay Cutler, yeah. In Denver, when he was like, um, "This guy is trying to trade me, uh, Josh McDaniels." You know, he told me he wasn't trying to trade me, and it's time for me to get out of here. So trade me. Trade <laughs> Cutler, him. not nearly. Cutler actually, was a very good player, but wasn't nearly on the level of Watson right now. Not at all. Um, yeah, Cutler. It was like Cutler. It was crazy when that happened because Cutler, like, 
he had a good season. He put up good numbers. He was young. So the idea was that this was a young guy that was ascending into his prime that was now, you know, on the trade market. And, you know, Watson to me is, is a, you know, like you said, he's a superstar quarterback. He, he He's better than what Cutler was when that happened. Cutler was almost as much like what he, what the potential was and rather than like what he actually had right, done right, before. Right. And then that's what's so that's what's so interesting about the situation. I mean, there are already been reports that Texans aren't going to the Texans aren't going to trade him, um, and that makes sense. But I mean, what happens if he just doesn't show up for camp? You know, like he can make this really bad, yeah. and at the quarterback position, it could get ugly. You know, like running back, he can mess around and have a guy hold out or whatever, or wide out. Defensive line, you know, every other position pretty much besides the offensive line and quarterback, can you just like, <laughs> you're at least the tackle position and the quarterback position, can you not have a guy, can you just not have your guy out there? So, um, this could be, this could be bad. And, but also again, the value for Deshaun Watson is so high. Is there, is there a team in mind or is it just any team that needs a quarterback has to get on the phone now? Yeah, I mean, it's well, yeah, first of all, they they need to be on the phone now. Like as soon as you hear he's upset, you got to make calls. I mean, I know I mean, the jokes are already out there that you know Bill Belichick is uh is is, is working his magic to get, him, to get him to uh to New England. Um I mean, look, the the, the Houston Texans ever since Bill O'Brien was handed the keys to the organization from not just a head coaching standpoint, but from a, a front office standpoint. The Houston Texans have been Arguably the worst run organization in sports. It's it's yeah. they're right there. I mean, there's no. I don't think that that's arguable. Like, um, they 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 get, first of all they made the decision to give Bro Brian the keys to the to the to the, to the car. So that that was the beginning of the end right there. That was a ridiculous decision in its own right. And every move they've made pretty much since then has been a disaster. Whether it be the trade for uh, Deshaun uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, whether it be uh, firing Bill O'Brien early in the year, you know, before you really got the, he let him do cause all this chaos with the organization. Um, yeah. Their ter- their terrible draft. I mean, they had a, they had yeah. a miserable miserable yeah, draft. Like a billion draft picks for Kenny Stills and Larry Tunsil. Yeah, yeah. They, they had a draft is going to the Miami Dolphins. Who almost made the playoffs, and that should have been the Houston Texans pick. Yeah, a miserable. They had they had yeah. no picks, and the picks they 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 took they they they, they didn't do anything with them. Um, just a terrible, just a just terrible. I mean, we know what they've done behind closed doors. You know, they a lot of people were really bummed by the firing of a very uh, popular communications person there, and you yeah. know all the indications of, and you know you hear some things like that, and like. I hate to say this because my, my Knicks are doing their thing right now and they're playing great ball and I hope that uh, by by next week they're still playing great ball so we can talk about them. But to me, like what I've seen from the Texans is very Nick-like. When I see people going crazy about you firing a communications person, that just tells me the whole energy is off there. That's not something that should that should warrant the entire NFL press corps losing their minds. That's like that was to me that was them you know waving the red flags you know burning the the bonfire smoke whatever they do <laughs> to urge you know when there's an urgent issue happening that was an SOS that was a clear issue 
And then, and then how they played on the field this year. Also an embarrassment. A team that was a playoff, supposed to be a playoff contender, Super Bowl contender, um, were dead on arrival to the point where you got the guy who they are including in GM and coaching conversations who's at the, towards the end of his career, J.J. Watt, apologizing to the guy that just led the league in passing yards, Sean Watson. That was actual yeah. audio that happened in the last game of the year. Yeah. Dude, he was like, we wasted a year of your career, man. My bad. And that's the guy they want to. That's the guy that they actually saying, "Yo, who should we hire?" Well, I mean, they're just they're a terribly run organization, and I think Deshaun Watson is in a he's in the he he's putting down the tea leaves. Like I feel like me and you have a really good sense of like when guys are, you know, making the beginning moves to get out. Um, to yeah. be fair, it looked like Donovan Mitchell. Like maybe he cooled off because it looked like that was where that was going, and he signed that deal, and he's there. <laughs> But I feel like almost the 75 to 85 so we'll see. But yeah, right. but I feel like 75 to 85% of the time when we say a guy trying to get out, a guy trying to get out. That's what this this looks like he's dipping his toe in that water. And I think that he has the capital to do it and not look crazy. Like he just the team is terrible and nobody likes how their their organization has been run. The fans have yeah. turned on the front office you and the owner. Model, He's been a model teammate, model leader, and a great player on the field. He's in. If there's anybody who could probably finagle this and not look terrible, it's probably him. And I think this is the beginning of him dipping the toe in that water. This is they're playing with real fire here. I mean, real fire. Yeah, because like they have none of the. They have none of the. They have none of the PR no, capital. No goodwill. Right. Yeah, they yeah. have no goodwill. No good. You know, there are certain organizations when Brady was having his situation with New England, mm-hmm. and that was kind of tense. There was a lot of people that were like, "Oh, Brady got he's got to he's got to shut up because things don't get much better than New England." You right. know, and and that I mean that we knew that tension was brewing for years, and that that in the in the public sphere there was a lot of people that were saying, "Brady better be careful what he's asking for." No one's right. gonna say that about the Chicago. Right, with the Texans, it's 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 it can't really be any worse. Right. <laughs> with the Patriots, we're like, man, you don't know how you know you know how good you have it. You, you might go somewhere and it don't work out. With the Texans, like, how much worse could where you right. go? Be? And if Brady was right that being in New England stunk and that you give him some weapons and he could still be just as good, which is what we're seeing in Tampa Bay, then <laughs> we know also, that John Watson knows what he's talking about. I also forgot when I talked about their ineptitude. I forgot that all the all of his best. <laughs> Targets were all using steroids and got popped and were suspended for six games. I mean, this 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 is a, a clown organization. This this is what this is. It's insane to me that it, this has happened so fast because the Texans seem like a team that were headed in the right direction. I mean, they were in a, a playoff game against the Chiefs and they looked like they were about to maybe run the Chiefs out of Arrowhead. And and wow, the things turn around since then. Seems yeah, Brandon like Cooks. Been an yeah, Brandon Cooks in the last game saying like he's gonna he's gonna block any trade. I don't. I guess he has a no trade clause or something. He's saying I'm not getting traded. How does Ryan, like, Brandon Cooks have a no trade clause? I, I that's that's. I mean, I was surprised at the 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 amount of uh, just the gall that he had to come out and say I'm not getting traded. Like, not, that, I don't know if he, he it, I don't know if the no trade clause or if he's just saying like I'm gonna retire if, if I get traded again. But there was some sort of he put his foot down and said. Yeah, this, I'm not playing. Yeah, this is so, yeah, this this is this is anarchy and chaos over in that organization. And um, I feel bad for Deshaun. I hope that whatever he, uh, happens to him, how he works this out, um, it's it's all good. 
but it don't. It just doesn't. It just you, sometimes you just see things. You may say, "Oh, but they got some players." I mean, no, some organizations that are this inept, they they they're gonna they're gonna fumble the bag. And so look, whatever can, whatever potential you think that the, the roster currently has, and I think there's reason to believe there's some, especially considering Deshaun's on it, it just it's fool's goal. It's not going to yeah. happen with this organization with where they're at right now. They, they're just and, not in a and, good place. And that conversation about wasting Watson's career, I mean, he's a guy who's had injury problems throughout his career mm-hmm. uh, in college. He can't, he can't be messing around playing for a team that can only win six games. He's too good, and... He's in the prime of his career. They already and, gave him all the guaranteed money, man. Like he, he's like, I, I, I have no. They already gave me the bag, so I can now just try to get out of here. Yep, yep. And you, I guarantee you, there are people in his ear that are that are telling him that, yeah. and he's listening, and he should. Yeah, shout out to Deshaun Jackson. I mean, excuse me, uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, a great season and a great player, and uh, I hope uh, whatever again, whatever he decides, I hope to see him on the field again balling with a good team whether it be in houston or somewhere else but yeah i feel i feel really bad for those houston texans fans i feel like they're actually a low-key really great fan base from what i've seen from a distance and uh, they don't deserve what's happening in houston like it's i know they're a young fan base so it's like you know chin up kid like <laughs> you know you just got here and to be fair you know they do have a legacy with the oilers i guess but um but yeah like you know like this looks so promising. They look like a team that could maybe win a Super Bowl. Like, really, literally last year. And I'm talking today like their quarterback won't be there next season. That tells that man, that just that just should not have, that shouldn't be playing out the way it is. But it shows you all these Texas. people, we're hearing a lot about these, these coaching hires and stuff, and it just shows you the importance of the of getting it right when, you, when you're hiring a head coach and a GM. Because... They got it wrong once. They, I don't think they got the O'Brien thing wrong initially. He was, he was fine. Yeah, it's about. It's about. It's, it's sometimes it's also about you know choo- when to choose the player over the coach. You know when when Bill O'Brien. If I'm if I'm a GM or or you know he was GM. So if I'm an owner, Bill O'Brien comes to me and says, you know I think it's time for me to uh, trade for DeAndre Hopkins. And I say, okay, well uh, that's a really bold decision. What what are you getting? Um, uh, a, a used PS5 controller, and um. And, and an old uh, and an old Xbox 360. I say, okay, cool. You you pack your bags up. Uh, put the box. There's some boxes in the bag. You use that to pack up your stuff in your office. Um, don't worry about the nameplate. We'll figure that all out. Uh, we'll figure out your whatever guarantee yeah, money you, you have. Um, yeah, and, and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll find you a great realtor to to sell the home. Uh, Houston's a great place to live. A lot of people want to come here. I'm sure we'll get a buyer, and uh, we're gonna just get you out of here because that's this is just not the place for you if you think that. Uh, trading franchise players because you don't like that they have their girlfriends around the facility or whatever nonsense you're talking about. That's the kind of way you're going to run this organization. Then you're not running my organization. Too, there's too many owners. That, and to be fair, I think a lot of them don't like know football, like or don't know the sport they're really in. Like they like it, but they don't know it. Know it. So I feel like these like coaches and these GMs can I go to them with like nonsense. And then we say, how does this get ever get approved? And it's like, well, if the guy is paying this guy to make all the decisions and he's the one only guy you're listening to, then it's very easy to be swayed by someone like Bill O'Brien. But that's when someone, he needs Cal or uh, McNair, needed to have someone else in there to say, yo, fam, this is ridiculous. We can't, 
trade DeAndre Hopkins for a used PS5 controller. That's not that's not how this that's not how this can work. Even yeah. if we got even if we we gotta trade him, this can't be how. And you know goes. my philosophy, EJ. It's 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 always the dumbest. But they thing. chose they chose a a, a very a average to above average coach, and a, a one of the worst GMs in the NFL over a franchise player, and that's where. When you start yeah. making decisions like that, that's that's why uh, that's why they are where they yeah, are. That's why those decisions are important. Like I said, the first the first hiring of Bill O'Brien was fine. Giving him the GM job was catastrophic. Um, but you know my philosophy in sports, EJ. It's always been my philosophy, and it works in basketball, football, baseball, whatever sport you wanna you wanna go to. If you're firing your GM or your coach or both, in the case of Bill O'Brien, uh, early in the season, then he should have been fired in the offseason. And in the case of Bill O'Brien, I believe he was the first coach fired, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't remember what week it was, but it was fairly early in the season. And that's a that's an indication of this guy shouldn't have been he shouldn't have had this job in the offseason. I mean, the Jets and the Knicks, like they did the 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 all time worst thing of letting the GM who they fire like after the draft. Like that's always the dumbest thing. What they did with Mike McCagnin and uh, for the Jets, and then bringing in Joe Douglas, and then uh, uh, Phil Jackson <laughs> firing him after he drafts Frank Nilakina. But but I mean, in sports, when you're when when you see these teams that that fire these guys early in the season, it's it's always the dumbest thing. And the Texans did it this year with uh, Bill O'Brien, and yeah, it's a bad run organization. Um, there's not much else to say about it. But Watson. Wherever he ends up, assume, I assume he'll he'll stay in Texas. In, 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 one, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'll assume he'll he'll stay in Houston. Um, only because I don't know if there's any team that's gonna be willing to give up the value that's gonna take to give him to get Deshaun Watson. It's gonna take like two or three first round picks, um, plus other stuff, and I just don't know if that's worth it. But no, I I I think that teams will line up to trade for him. I think that. Uh, I think he's viewed around the league as a, a, a truly elite guy. Right. I think I think but, there's you know Rodgers and there's McCombs, and maybe you put Lamar and maybe ahead of him. Rodgers. I think everyone else, he's better than everyone else. And Wilson like, too. Yeah, Wilson. To me, but to me, like I, I would argue that really Rodgers and Mahomes are really in the class of their own, and then he's in that next class with everyone else. I know some of those guys may have a championship. I'm talking about just ability. I think he's right there. With Lamar and with Russell Wilson, and you know, so those kind of guys are going to demand a lot of attention on the trademark. You put them out there, especially for the teams that might not be sold on not being able to draft, you know, Trevor Lawrence, and they're taking a chance on someone else who is more unproven, clearly, than someone like John Watson, multiple time Pro Bowler, again, uh, led the league in passing yards this year, once again, despite uh, all of his best receivers, you know using steroids and getting suspended for the uh, rest of the season. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's going to be a certainly an interesting situation. Nick Cesario, uh, he just got that job. Uh, good luck to that man. Uh, I hope he's able to find a way to get cool heads to prevail and build. But um, it's going to be Brady interesting. Joe Brady looking at that like, uh, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah, Joe Brady, he's not a – he's looking at L.A. job. Uh, he's, he's, not, he's not touching that. He's like – like, let me get the quarterback who's a rookie who doesn't know any better about this league and where this or where his organization is going. <laughs> and let me not get the guy who's been around the block a bit and seen the the clownery in the organization long enough to be like, yeah, it's time for me to bounce. Let me get the young impressionable guy and hope that I can mold the organization, the team, 
so that we can become a winner. Let's talk about these uh, NFL playoff games, though. So, again, it's super wild card weekend. Uh, unprecedented weekend of football in terms of playoffs. We have, obviously, number one, once again, most of these teams won't have fans, or if they will, there'll be a very, very small amount of fans. I know the Bills are, uh, for the first time this year, will have fans in a very uh, controlled environment compared to probably a lot of other teams. There's going to be there's been testing happening all week for the fans, and uh, testing that will happen before the game, uh, before they enter. But nonetheless, it's still unprecedented, not only because of that, but because of the amount of games. So you got three on Saturday, three on Sunday. Colts and Bills kick it off at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Then we have the Rams and Seahawks, Bucks and uh, uh, Washington football team. The Ravens are at Tennessee on Sunday. They're followed by the Bears at the Saints and then the Browns at the Steelers. And Kendall, there's plenty of uh, storylines to pick from. Um, I mentioned, uh, you know, the Bills, you know, having home fans first time this uh, this season. There's also Chase Young walking up the field saying he wants Tom and that becoming kind of a rallying cry for, uh, you know, at least Bruce Arians, who basically said, be careful what you wish for, kid. And um, now that becoming maybe a more interesting game that we anticipated. And then the Cleveland Browns don't have their head coach. Kevin Stefanski tested positive for covid there continue to be COVID issues within the Browns organization that head into their first playoff game for the first time in like 20 years. And ironically, it's against the team, one a division rival team they had to beat to get in in the Steelers. But the last time they, they played a playoff game, it was actually against the Steelers in Kendall Wood is my underrated, one of my favorite uh, postseason games ever. Nobody remembers that wildcard game between the Browns and the Steelers in like 2002 when the Browns had like a 25 point lead, something crazy and blew it in the second half. And they haven't been in the playoffs since. So um, plenty of uh, – and then the Ravens and Titans, we're talking more storylines. Ravens and Titans, you got a rematch of uh, the divisional around game last year when the Titans upset the Ravens and kind of uh, blew their doors off. So, Kendall, litany of uh, storylines to choose from before you make picks. What's the thing you're most looking forward to uh, seeing with this wild card weekend? Um, well, it's almost certainly that Bears-Saints uh, game. Um because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be locked into that Nickelodeon stream. Uh, <laughs> that's another storyline. Nickelodeon yeah, yeah, is Nickelodeon football. Yeah, for anyone that's under thirty, this is just like a this is a massive weekend. Uh, this is a massive this is a massive day in in television history. The the NFL an NFL game could be broadcast on Nickelodeon with a Yo, separate. If an NFL, if a, if the announce if the broadcaster for that game is not slimed at some point during that broadcast, Nickelodeon would have. Uh, it would be dereliction, uh, a dereliction of their duty for yes. covering this game. We need to have slime. Uh, we need to bring in some 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 funny characters. I want to see SpongeBob in there. Uh, the halftime show should be the uh, sweet sweet victory. Um, <laughs> it's very it's Nickelodeon is very there's very not too much I'm asking for, but I think that they should be able to deliver these simple things. Yeah. So the the storyline that I think. Uh, the the storyline that I'm paying attention to, um, in I would what I would call the game of the week is that Baltimore Tennessee game. It's a rematch of a game that we had earlier this season, but it's also a rematch of last year's playoff game, um, yeah. in which uh, Lamar Jackson really uh, struggled, obviously. Um, but. You know, this is a Baltimore team that we mentioned last week. We both thought 
presented possibly the biggest challenge to Kansas City in the AFC. And obviously Tennessee is riding high off of Derrick Henry's uh, historic season, rushing for 2,000 yards. Um, but this Baltimore, this Baltimore offense is starting to pick up. Greg Roman heard all the jokes. Hollywood Brown heard all the jokes, although he had a drop last week. So I don't know. He, he heard them and he got to them again. But uh, all these guys um, on that off that that offense, which has been putrid all season, they look to finally they're looking to they look to be finally uh, picking up steam. Um, to me, I think the 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 key is just going to be how do they. In a game that's going to have a lot of, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot about ball, ball possession and ball control. How does that Baltimore offense do? Um, in if they get down in a situation where they get down, um, can they can they air it out? Because we all know Lamar Jackson. If that defense can get some stops and they get up to an early lead. Uh, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, if not the best quarterback in the in the league uh, when he has a lead. But when that team gets down, he struggles. And we saw that last year. Um, we've seen that a number of times this season. Um, and in these playoff games, you got you're going to need quarterbacks who can who can win you games in the air. And we'll see whether or not Lamar gets put into that situation this week. Um, with a week to game plan, um, you know, I feel like this Tennessee. We'll see what this Tennessee team has has prepared uh, for this deep, for this uh, Baltimore offense. But um, you know, those slants that they like to run aren't going to be uh, won't be as open, I'd imagine, this week. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I think that that's the best. I agree that that is the best game probably of the week. Those are two teams that I think think that they can win a Super Bowl or at least challenge the Chiefs to try to get to the Super Bowl. Um, we talk about teams that you know have the best you know chance in, in, a, in a one game kind of elimination situation. I think the teams, while both of them have their flaws, I think they feel like they play a brand of football that gives them a fighting chance against the the Chiefs, and they want to at least get to that matchup. Albeit both teams, when they've gotten those chances, haven't looked the greatest. I think for me, uh, the storyline I think I'm most intrigued by, and while I want to give an honorable mention to the Washington um, Bucks situation, because that is intriguing in the sense that like, I, I can't imagine the game being that great only because I just can't imagine Washington's offense uh, significantly manufacturing enough points to really make the game that competitive, but... Seeing Tom Brady have to deal with that pass rush, it's not going to be a fun day. Like, I think for them, it's going to be important to get out to maybe a fast start, and they can kind of rely more on running the football and play action. And it's not, you know, a game where Tom Brady's playing catch up or he's in a, in a tight, you know, fist fight, and those uh, those pass rushers get to uh, sweat and, and and chase Young and those guys. They get to come up and really rush up the field. But again, Washington's offense doesn't really make that game interesting enough for me. I think the most interesting situation is, in, is with Cleveland and, and, and Pittsburgh. Um, that to me, looking at uh, again the Browns, this is supposed to be their moment. And again, they're kind of another team. I think that a lot of people felt like, yeah, they're a wild card team. They didn't win the division, but the the, the potential is there. 
for them to really do big things. And there was a lot of hope for Cleveland. It felt like a, a curse and a and just a, a huge weight was lifted off their shoulders when they finally clinched that playoff spot with a win uh, at home against a division rival. Now they go on the road against that same division rival, who I think they think they can beat. I don't think that they're afraid of Pittsburgh. I think that they've seen Pittsburgh look shaky for the whole second half of the season, particularly the last you know five or six games. And the fact that now you come in without your head coach, and I really think that, I think any team losing your head coach, I think that's a, a massive loss. I really do. I don't think that, I, I don't think, I think in, I honestly think in the NBA, like, because you get away with not having your head coach for a series and you were the better team. Yeah, I think you probably could. Um, I, I think in the NFL, especially when you're in the NFL, your head, head coach is your offensive play caller. I, I think you're you're almost dead in the water. So, you know, maybe that hints to what I'm thinking about this pick is, but I'm, I want to see how it looks. I mean, is Baker Mayfield and this offensive team able to, you know, move beyond uh, the obvious, you know, disruption that they have, not having their head coach and Kevin Stefanski, who I think is also maybe one of the more valuable coaches, I think, in this playoffs. I think the way he calls the game, um, he's been sweet, thoroughly impressive, one of the best coaches in the league this year. This year. So, so, so what happens so with that happens and, and, with that? and what happens with uh, um, the rivalry we have there? I, I want to see that game a lot and, and see if the Browns can overcome this massive, massive hurdle they have. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of chirping last week um, from both of those parties uh, in Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, a lot of Pittsburgh fans saying, "Congrats, you beat a, a you know a practice squad. We'll see you guys next week." A lot of Cleveland fans, you know, um, I didn't know Juju and Claypool were on the practice squad, but uh, yeah, it, it's gonna be it's good. That's gonna be a heated game. And I feel like we've seen examples of this in the past. Um, I want to say Tampa Bay and Philly had a situation like this in the mid-2000s where they played each other in Week 17 and they played each other in the playoffs again. I yeah, could be wrong. didn't Philly like just mop the floor with Tampa in a situation like that? This yeah. happened a lot. I mean, the Jets have done it. Um, a long, long time ago, uh, they played the Raiders to end the season and played them. In the first round of the playoffs, just may have done it a couple of times. I, I think they, I think they did it against Cincinnati too when they when they clinched the first year. Um, when they went to the, the to the uh, to the uh, you know AFC Championship game. This happens way more than you would think. This happens a lot in NFL history where you play the team before, but the team is not playing hard, or they've sat all their players, and then you play them again in the very next weeks. You know, it happens a lot when you play them down the road, but it always happens a lot also when you play. But very recently, so it's not not a new thing, but it's always uh, it's always intriguing. Yeah, um, it's intriguing because like you know the Browns like the, the you know it's almost like a free week of scouting for the other team. Like you know the Browns, they can't afford to you know hide some of their best stuff. Like they, it's a playoff game for them; they got to play to win it, get in. So you know how much did you know Pittsburgh learn about how you know Cleveland wants to attack them from that game they played. Yeah, it now was they play for real, quote unquote. It's it's you know it's always an interesting dynamic. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, the Eagles played Tampa in 2001 uh, in Week 17. They beat them by four, and then in the playoffs they beat them 31 to nine. Yeah, I feel like card. I remember that. Um, and I'm almost certain the Jets did it too around maybe 2000. It's it's, it's it happens a lot. Yeah. Uh. So if that's any indication, then the Steelers should be concerned. That would, that, yeah, that would help them. Yeah. What, 
Yeah, what do you make of, um, of course, the Eagles had their head coach, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> what, do you, what do you make of this Bills team? Because we haven't talked about them. You Like you mentioned, Bills Mafia for the first yeah. time this season get to uh, experience a playoff, t- playoff game for, you know, for their first time in, you know, almost 20 years, it feels like. Um, what what do you make of this team? Because, you know, we mentioned, I mean, you mentioned how Tennessee and Baltimore may be the biggest threats to Kansas City. And I'm sure a lot of Bills fans are, are like, all right, what about us? Um, as well as they, as well, as well as they've played uh, the past month, you know, Josh Allen is, uh, he's been terrific uh, this season uh, and played great as of late. Stephon Diggs has played great. Um is there any concern heading into this game against Indianapolis that that they may be, I don't want to say they're getting coordinated or they may be looking ahead to a Kansas City matchup, um, you know, and that this playoff moment, which they should have won last year. We forget they lost a game against Houston in a game that they just they completely gave away. I mean, uh, they lost a game in overtime. And do you sense that that game is still in the back of their minds and that they'll be even more prepared for this wild card matchup or that because of how well they've played, they'll be looking ahead to that uh, potential matchup against Kansas city. And they're not treating this Colts team as dangerous as they should. Yeah. The bills are like, they're the most weird 13 and three team I've ever seen. Maybe in the history of since I've been watching uh, football, because I mean, the numbers don't lie. I mean, they, they played in a division that, you know, had another 10-win team. So it wasn't like they just played all cupcakes. Um, they were a playoff team last year. They played a playoff-like schedule. So they had some some additional tough games in their schedule. And they're 13-3. and three. I, I think, though, you know, and to be fair, their defense, I think, has definitely turned it around. I think the reason why I've, I'm, I've been hesitant to jump onto the Bills bandwagon this year is because I thought last season they played excellent defensive football almost throughout. And in many ways, you know, I don't say they carried Josh Allen. Josh Allen played well last season, but he was definitely what you would call supplementary football with what he was giving them, providing, uh, uh, you know, good enough offense. This season is not that. This is a team that is predicated on their offense. It starts with Josh Allen, who um, in any other year would have been an MVP candidate. Maybe you could argue maybe he should have been one this year. Um, and then, of course, Stephon Diggs who's had an incredible season. Cole Beasley's also had a great season. But there's just something about this team. I just, I I guess to me, if you're telling me this is not going to be a lights-out defense and that their Super Bowl chances really are going to hinge on Allen and Stephon Diggs, two very, very good players, I just don't think they're beating Kansas City. Do I think that they could beat the Colts this week and we'll get to pick soon? I mean, they're 100% capable of doing that. Could they even win a second game after that? Maybe. But it's, it's uh, you know, if, 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 a, a bat, if a showdown with the Chiefs is in their cards for an AFC championship game on the road, I'm not going to say it's impossible. They have a talented defense that can certainly, again, that has played much better of late and I think has the potential to play up. But I haven't played, seen them play on that consistent level all season. And that's kind of been my hesitation. If if I saw that, I would say, yeah, they're a real threat. But because of that, I'm saying but Josh Allen may have to actually outplay Mahomes in a game. I don't know if I can see that in a big game. Yeah. Um, to me, I think when, when it comes to this Buffalo team, 
I mean, their offense, again, their offense is clicking on all cylinders. It is. Um, it looks fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there were some moments in that game against New England where they gave some points away. You know, they gave some points up where it was like, that's not going to happen again. Yeah. Drops and, you know, stupid stuff. And, um, yeah. I mean, they, had I mean, same, I mean, they had the second best offense in regards to, you know, yards. <laughs> Which is yeah, exactly. the most best way to do is how, how, are you, how are you moving the ball? Yeah, I mean, Brian Dayball... Um, their OC who came from Alabama will likely be a head coach next year. Uh, St. Francis Prep grad, shout out, shout Terry. out. Uh, <laughs> but he is—he's done an excellent job, and it, 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 this is the for anybody that's looking at this year's draft and just going forward when you're evaluating these quarterbacks. It shows you when you have a an elite scheme with a talented quarterback like Josh Allen. And you give him a weapon like Stefan Diggs. That's the thing. Just it's it's the perfect. It's the, yeah, it's the I was gonna say it's that, it's that last part. It's that you add you give them the legitimate weapon. That's yes, when they become special. That yeah, that's when because they because then yeah they had everything else last year, but yeah they didn't have the, the Stefan Diggs. Now you give him Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen looks totally different. Yeah. Um. I, to me, it's just going to be about again. Are they ready for the moment? They weren't last year, and no. it's fine, you know. But this is a better team this year, you know. We yeah, kind yeah, of they're a better team this year. Them. Yeah, no one, no one expected them to go on some run last year. Um, so this year, are they are they more ready for it now than they were last year? Uh, we'll see. Um, but no, yeah, uh, that that's going to be another uh, very interesting game because Colts have we really don't know what to make of the Colts. They've played well. When they've played against mediocre competition, um, when they've played against the better teams around the league, you know, against Indiana, against Pittsburgh, they looked shaky. Um, game they should have won, but I mean, no, I don't think any game came out impressed with either team uh, in that game. Uh, when they played against yeah. uh, Tennessee recently, they looked. I mean, they got blown out. I mean, this is just a, this is a team that. But then they've also had wins against. They've picked up a lot of easy wins against. I think they played Houston twice recently, and they've played yeah, twice, twice in in three weeks and, and won both games. Yeah, they played Cincinnati. I mean, they they've they've picked off on on these on these weak teams. So I don't know what to make of Indianapolis and whether or not that'll actually help them come this game against Buffalo. The one thing about Indianapolis that I think does give them a chance. Is to, they look like a team to me that 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 would travel well going into Buffalo. That that's a huge that's a huge element of these teams. You know the the, the uh, cliche styles make fights, and yeah. you know the Colts may not be the most impressive roster, but you look at what how the game is going to be played, where the game is going to be played, and how can that team uh, adjust to those that environment. The Colts have a. Uh, sledgehammer in an offensive line. They have a sledgehammer as a running back. And Phil Rivers turns the ball over a little bit, and he's been a little iffy in cold weather, but at least he's experienced. I don't think he's going to be, you know, afraid or messed up by what may be um, a very, very, very cold day this uh, this Sunday in, Bu- in Buffalo. They, 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 they are going to travel well. Their defense is really good. That they're the kind of team that that can 
you know, flourish in these kind of in, in this kind of rhyme. That's why I think that the challenge for the Bills is interesting because the Bills are a better team than the Colts. I don't really think anyone would argue that. It's you know, do they have the maturity and are they ready for this moment playing at home, and will they outplay them when they have to? And if they do, um, then you know they 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 have a one hundred percent chance of not only winning this game but going deep. But you can see it going both ways, and that's what's uh, that's what makes that game interesting. Do you see any intrigue in the Washington Tampa situation? Um, it, I think I feel like it's the most talked about game this week, which is not that I guess not that surprising considering it's Washington and it's Tom Brady. But I guess I was a I, you know I said it's not surprised. I, I was a little surprised at how much they people have really taken an interest to this whole situation, given that well, Washington I, has seven yeah. wins. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that want to know. If this New England team is for real, oh, oh you mean Tampa? Yeah, there we go. Uh, Everybody yeah. does it. I'm not. I can't even hate on you for it. I saw. I watched. Some, I watched. I watched someone's ESPN on Tuesday, and like everybody kept saying New England, like over and over again. I'm like Tampa, yeah. Tampa, Tampa. Yeah, well, you think Tom Brady? That's just the first thing you think. Tampa about. Bay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with this Tampa, with this Tampa team, the first thing you know, they're obviously everyone wants to know if this team's for real. If this team can can play under pressure, uh, and I mean, look, Antonio Brown's starting to really, he's starting to really hoop. He's starting to look good. Uh, in basketball terms, he's starting to really ball. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, obviously Chris Godwin's playing well. Um, is Mike Evans, he's still, uh, he's still questionable, I believe, right? Yes. Uh, so we'll see whether or not he plays. And I don't even know if that'll matter, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, you know, honestly, it there's a little bit of, I don't want to say, you know, this is like, there's going to be Giants. Versus New England, where you talk about the team with the elite pass rushing, where right. that that disrupts Brady because mm-hmm. obviously when Washington we saw last week against Philly uh, when they got when they saw Nate Sudfeld out there, which we'll talk about that a little later. When they saw Nate Sudfeld out there, they pinned their ears back. Those pass rushers, like you said, Sweat and uh, Young, and they got to the quarterback. And you do wonder if that's something that'll that we'll see this week. Um, against another quarterback, You're pretty much the only other quarterback in the league, uh, more, you know, less mobile than uh, Nate Sudfeld is Tom Brady, and so they have their they have their chance at him. Uh, that's the only that's the only key factor to this game. If if Washington can get pressure on Brady, they can stay in it. But if this becomes a shootout, they're not going to be able to stay in this game. Their 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 offense isn't explosive enough. Yeah, Washington hasn't scored more than twenty three points since uh, Thanksgiving. So, I mean, yeah, that, that leads me that leads me to the question, Kendall: Can they beat Tom Brady scoring twenty three points? Well, I mean, look, you know, I mean, the Giants in two thousand seven beat the <laughs> the Patriots <laughs> when it's scoring four, it's scoring seventeen. Yeah, what, so, seventeen. Remember, Tom Brady said, you know, oh, we're only gonna score fourteen points or whatever he said. Yeah, no, yeah. Twenty one points. They're like, nah, you're actually scoring fourteen, fam. <laughs> um, yeah. so that's that's going to be that's really the I don't say it's the that that's again, it comes down to how well does that uh pass protection hold up for t- for Tampa Bay. Because Washington's gonna try and get pressure on him. Um I don't think I think it'll hold up. 
I think they're all fine. I think they, I think they're ready because this Washington team is too one dimensional, and it's, all, it's all they got. It's all, it's all they got. It's all they got. I mean, yeah. it's all, you know, it's the only reason why they have seven wins. I, right. I mean, they're a seven win team. That's yeah, and, and McLaurin. He's the only, those are the two only reasons. Yeah, yeah. Terry McLaurin and the pass rush. Yeah, and Logan Thomas is playing well. I mean, to me, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I know the last time we always have to we we can't forget about this. The last time a seven win team was in the playoffs, they won the they won a game. I know, beast you mode. Know? Beast, beast mode. mode was born. Really. Won a game. I mean, that, having that home field advantage helps. I, will there be fans in Washington? I have no idea. Um, I don't know what the protocols protocols are in Washington D.C. I'd imagine there won't be for a lot of reasons, but um, but because of that. It won't be the factor that I was going to Seattle was for New Orleans, but um, I also imagine that Brady's ready to go on the road. I think they'll be fine. Let's uh, let's do picks, Kendall. Colts at Bills Saturday at one, Orchard Park. I'm gonna say the Bills are ready for the moment. I'm gonna say they win uh, fairly convincingly. I'll do something like a 27-17 kind of game. I I I, I kind of. I look. I'm a Jets fan. I don't particularly care for the Bills, but I mean, any Jets fan would tell you like our rivalry with the Bills is nothing like what it is with the Patriots and the uh, Dolphins. I think there is a little, especially since so many of there are a lot of Bills fans who are in New York City. I think there is kind of an affinity. Like I have friends who are Bills fans. I know I have colleagues who are Bills fans. So like, and they've been so beaten down. It's like I, like I can't muster the energies to really really hate them right now now maybe if they start winning Super Bowl and they become new Patriots then that's a little different but yeah I mean uh I think that they're just the better team and if they don't if they lose it's you know it's gonna sound very stupid but if they lose it's gonna be because man they really didn't play well um they weren't ready for that moment and to be fair the Colts are a game team I think they'll be in this game for the majority of it but I think they went going away um I'll go I'll go Bills 24, Colts 13. I just I don't know if they're going to be able to put up the points um, necessary to win this game. So you believe a little more in that Bills defense? I mean, we both kind of do. None of us think that the Colts will score a lot. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, like you said, in, you know, the conditions aren't going to be great. Um, the Colts are a dome team, which while I think that their roster and personnel uh, – will adjust well. Um, I think it'll help. I, th- I mean, I don't, I, you know, I think it'll help uh, Buffalo in that regard. And I, I feel like, you know, as we've seen the Colts running game has started to started to play better. And I think they're going to try and slow this game down. They don't, cause they don't want that Buffalo off. Yeah. You don't, yeah. You don't, yeah. It's not going to be a game. It's going to, they don't want it to be a kind of track meet. Right? <laughs> yeah. They don't want it to be a track. So even if they win, it's going to be kind of low scoring. I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, Rams at Seahawks. We didn't really talk about uh, Jared Goff's thumb, but I know that's uh, obviously an issue. He had surgery. You gonna play? He's trying to no. come back in, uh, yeah, in, in you know after having surgery, uh, surgery that puts you out for like four weeks and more. He's trying to come back in like nine days, something crazy. This is you know the NFL. Uh, well, I mean, John Wolford actually played pretty decent last week. Um, yeah, I know he did, and yeah, it's it does kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit. Um, Goff said that he's his status is good, but uh, you know he doesn't uncertain if he's gonna play. But he's feeling good. 
and it's progressing well. I mean, those means those name those words mean nothing for a team that's trying to keep close to the vest the health of their quarterback heading into a playoff game against a division rival. Um, I don't think I don't think that the Rams really have any shot in this game. I think that the Seahawks, a team that was uh, playing historically bad defense to, to start this season, has uh, turned the corner. They haven't allowed a team to score more than 17 points. Well, they, the Rams, the 49ers had 23 in a meaningless game yesterday. But before that, uh, they went about four or five weeks in a row where a team didn't even score more than 17. So it seems like they've found their way defensively. I know Russell Wilson, the offense, has been kind of a mixed bag. But I don't think they'll play. I don't think the Rams' offense is going to be good enough. Whether it's Goff in there playing with a broken thumb or Wolford, I don't think it's going to be enough to catch up with the Seahawks. So I say Seahawks win. I think this is kind of an easy one, uh, like 33-17. It'll be, I mean, look, the Goff-Wolford situation, regardless, I don't think this Rams offense is going to really thrive in this matchup. Um, This is another one where I imagine they'll try and slow the game down a little bit. Um, I'll go Seahawks. Seahawks. 27 Rams uh 20. I think it will be that's, closer. That's a, that's a that's a good game. That's a close game. Yeah, I, I think it will be closer. I don't think Seattle will run away from them. Um Seattle Seattle's offense has had some struggles. It, they have. I I'm, I'm kind of predicting a breakout this week. Yeah. And they, it's they need happen it. at some point. You yeah, you know, it's been, some people have been kind of, you know, they've been winning games and their defense has played well, so people have been excited, but you know, their offense has to pick up this week. And the Rams just strike me. You know, you have those teams kind of when you have a team that's just like they just been fighting tooth and nail and crawling to just get to the playoffs. And then when you right. get there, it's like, okay, now what? And then they just get blitzed. The Rams yeah. look like the, the perfect candidate <laughs> for that. The Vikings have been that team for right. a lot. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've experienced that. Where <laughs> it's just been you've been blooding yourself, you've been beat up just to try to get there. And then when you get there, you're facing a team that knew they were going to be there months ago and has been primed for this moment. And they just. just just run you out the stadium. The Rams look like that's they looked at that kind of team. They had a lot of injuries. They had some issues. They fought through. Um, they faced some turmoil. I think that they're happy that they got there. I don't think that, and I, I don't think you go in thinking I'm happy to be here. I just think the kind of disposition they have and what they had to go through to get to the playoffs. By the time they face a team like Seattle, they're not going to be ready for that. And there's another one that we there's a matchup that we saw recently. So yeah, know, yeah. There's a lot of tape. Rams couldn't move the ball before Goff hurt his thumb. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Seahawks defense looks like they may have their number. Bucks at Washington. To me, like I said, the magic number is twenty-three. Uh, that that to me is the ceiling for the Washington uh, football team's offense. That's all we've seen from them for a month now. So, to me, the question comes: I come into this the game. Do I think that the Bucks will score less than twenty-three points? They might, but I'm gonna say that you know Washington's inability to consistently sustained drives, I think will be a problem. Bucks defense been very Jekyll and Hyde. They've been times they look like they steal curtain. Other times they, they just look like they couldn't stop anybody. The Washington I think will make a lot of defenses look really good. I think the Buccaneer uh, the Buccaneers defense is gonna look uh good uh, this week with Alex Smith playing on one leg and um the uh you know they might play the backup this week as well. So it, we don't even know what the quarterback situation is going to be. I'm gonna say Washington wins this one. Um you know, Brady's going to get beat up a little bit. They're going to put hands on him. But I think, again, they'll they'll be in a good enough position where they won't have to drop back 50 times to win this game. And um, 
you'll see a much more balanced offense, I think, by Arians this week, and they'll they'll win. I'll give them like a, a twenty four to, to, to ten score. Uh I think this will be the biggest blowout of the week. Wow. Um it's unfortunate. Um but I think I, I think we're gonna see uh, a route in this one. I think we're gonna see Tampa win thirty four fourteen. Wow. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me, but still they just did not you know, Yeah. Washington and this Tampa offense is clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, you just you just don't see that many. Um, you don't typically see that many lopsided home playoff losses, regardless of like what your record was yeah, against the wildcard team. Um, now we're in a different time, obviously. Yeah. You know, role games don't that's true <laughs> hurt you as much as they may have done role no, playoff. Especially that's, that's that is not going to be nearly as intimidating for these guys, which should help. And of course, you also don't face Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't know what role playoff games really feel like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think there is a kind of like there is kind of like a, a, a sweet irony that you know the year Dan Snyder's uh, team makes the playoffs. They're seven and nine, one of the worst to ever make it, and he won't get any of the you know playoff uh, revenue from fans coming for an extra home game. Like all that's gone. It's like you know kind of poetic well, yeah. justice in that regard. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, Rams at Titans. Both of us, I think, agree this is the best game of the week, potentially, for sure. Um, I think both these teams would have preferred to not really be in this kind of game. You know, obviously it's a little different considering uh, the different rules of the playoffs and the seven teams um, playing, though they would have been there anyway, given the, their, they kind of, not only underachieved in the regular season, but they, they weren't good enough to, to secure maybe even the second spot in this uh in this uh, conference, I, I, I look. I made my pitch that the Ravens are going to be a dangerous team, and I'm going to stick behind that. This is a this is a very tough game. I think that this is uh, it, it's going to be a dogfight. You know, the Ravens clearly were not ready, not just for 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 Henry last year, but they also weren't ready for that vertical passing attack uh, nope. that the Titans uh, are, are great at. You know, instituting and the Ravens corners. While they're good, they are susceptible to getting beat deep. So, just like it wasn't a good matchup last year, we learned. I don't know if it's the greatest matchup this year, but I think the one thing about this matchup, while I'm getting the Ravens' edge, is I think if the Ravens can not allow the Titans to run away from them like they did last year, because again, they ran away from them because they couldn't stop the running game and they were killing them over the top with the play action. If they learned their lesson with that, and they maybe they absorb those those Henry blows a little bit better and don't just let the door fly out, you know, in the back by letting, you know, um Brown and these guys just fly deep and the game becomes kind of close. I think that you'll see Lamar do something special this week. I think we'll put to bed kind of the playoff uh, uh demons that we that's kind of lingered since his uh first emergence in the playoffs a couple of years ago against the Chargers. So I'm saying the Ravens win. Um a really good, contested, tough game. I'll say the score will be um, 27-26. I think it's going to be kind of a field goal tonic game. Let's say Tucker hits a game winner. All right, EJ. Uh, <laughs> going with the really uh, the really uh, inspiring uh, prediction right there. Justin Tucker game winner. Um, I mean, the guy is, the guy is money. So it's, it's, yeah, if, to be fair, yeah, if, if, it's, if it comes down to it, it that's how it's going to end. If, it, if it's him and... Uh, the end of the clock and him trying to make a field goal. That's that's how the story won with the Titans and the Ravens. Fair enough. Um, 
I'm going back and forth, man, in my head. I'm, I mean, because I feel like I see both. Yeah, it's a tough game. I yeah, see you can really see ways. like both sides. I'm gonna again. I'm gonna. I, I'll ride with you. And I'll ride with Lamar Jackson and say this is going to be a moment that he rises up. Um, there's gonna be a lot of. There's a lot of. He's gotten a lot of heat, obviously, like you mentioned, and I think. What we saw from him in that Cleveland game was, I think, maybe a bit of a preview for the guy we're going to see in these in these playoffs. Um, not to say they're going to win through Bowl or anything, but like the guy we saw in that Monday Night Football game against Kansas City, like that was old Lamar Jackson, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, but I think we made. I think the guy we saw in that game with Cleveland. And I look, you argue our game with Cleveland. I mean, that's a team that barely made it versus like, the Super Bowl champs. But, um, but, but that even was, then, was, we 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 never seen Lamar really do that against anybody. Yeah, it was a gutsy. We're gonna keep it hundred. Yeah, exactly. It was a gutsy performance coming off an injury, like you said, uh, in a game that was really tight and closely contested, and they were down. We haven't seen him have those moments where he's come back. So. Uh, all the credit in the world to uh, Lamar Jackson in that, in that performance. I think that I think that we learned something about him in that game, and I think we're going to see it this week. Because look, this is going to be this game. I know I mentioned that this game is going to be big uh, for Lamar. It's going to be big to see how how that team responds if they get down. But it's going to be about the two coordinators uh, on the other side. It's going to be about Arthur Smith in Tennessee on the offense and Wick Martindale in that defense. Um, like you mentioned, that's going to be the real, that's going to be the real, uh, the real test uh, for this matchup. And I think we'll see Wink Martindale really have something for the Tennessee Alphans. Um, so I got, uh, Baltimore, uh, I'll go Baltimore 20, Baltimore 31, Tennessee 20. Let's talk about Bears and Titans. Uh, this to me is the worst game of the weekend by far. I'm actually surprised this didn't get like the early game treatment um i think well that's why it's gotten the nickelodeon treatment well that's true it did get nickelodeon treatment to be fair uh and and the nickelodeon really is the only uh draw to this kind of game the bears uh, to me the bears are like worse than the washington football team <laughs> like like there is some intrigue with the washington football team and like the bears like and, and in one sense they're kind of like distant cousins because they're kind of similar in many ways but <laughs> any kind of like Intrigue that I think Washington can like make the Bucks game interesting. I don't see that with uh, the Bears. Um, the Saints, you know, Drew Brees, he's come back. We'll see, um, you know, if he if he remains healthy and if this uh, ends up being his last hurrah. I just don't see any way that uh, this this story ends with them uh, losing to a team like uh, Chicago. And this, I think this is this is, to me is the is the biggest blowout of the weekend. I have uh, New Orleans routing Chicago. Let's go forty one to uh, twenty. Uh, let's go forty one uh, seventeen. I actually think this is going to be a fairly close matchup. Um, really? Yeah, I feel like Breeze. I don't know if he's all the way there. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't play spectacular in that game against Minnesota. Um, where yeah, you know I mean, they're running back six touchdowns. So yeah, Camaro. I think, I think they were okay. <laughs> but but I mean, is Camaro playing this weekend? That's you. That's the issue. You know, if you don't have Alvin Camara, um, yeah, I know he's been 
I, the COVID stuff is always so like up in the air sometimes. I know he's been he was remotely. Um, yeah, he's he's been remotely involved. He's been waiting clearance. Yeah, and we'll see if he if he's available. If he is, then they'll likely have no issue. But if he's not available, I think that offense could have a little more trouble um, than we suspect. But they'll still win. Um, Cause I just don't trust Mitch Trubisky, and that that's the, that's that's the crux of it. He's played well yeah. recently, and he deserves credit for that. But the instability at quarterback is, um, it's as high as we've ever seen for a playoff team. And yeah. you know, and I know we mentioned like Washington, like they're kind of similar, but Washington, is, a lot of his injuries and other stuff. Like this is just yeah. like bad quarterback play, and it's yeah. rare you have a teammate the playoffs kind of fairly not easily, but. You know, this, this is this is what happens when you expand to seventeen. Yeah, you expand to seven games, seven teams. We knew there was bound to be at least one team. Yeah, I mean, I mean the AFC they had some really good teams in there. This is like what we saw in, in like the uh, in, in like the we've seen in the playoffs in the NBA in past years, where you have these teams in yeah. the West that are really good, and you got the teams in the East that are making it. You know, below five hundred records. This is what we have. AFC, yeah, yeah. you got a team that has eleven wins, is a wild card, right. last spot in. <laughs> yeah, they might couldn't make it with ten wins. And then you got, you know, Chicago with eight wins and a team with seven wins that win their division. So this is where we're at. Yeah, and that, I mean that Bears team, like you said, they're they're eight, eight wins. I mean, that's a it was a bad eight wins. I mean Yeah, I mean they lost like six in a row at one point. Yeah. And that, that I mean, <laughs> that's was, like, they played some terrible football this year. I mean, I can't believe the Vikings got as close to making the playoffs as as, as they did. I mean well, if the last team in the in the in the last team that got in lost seven games, six, seven games in a row. It's gonna yeah. leave the door open for everybody. Yeah, pretty much anybody felt like man, we had a right. shot. Dallas, Dallas. I mean, the fact that the Cowboys and the Giants were on to go pretty much in the last week of the season were fighting for a playoff spot. It's just a joke. But, um, but yeah, yeah, this is where this is where we're at. But yeah, this Bears team is not good. Um, Matt Nagy, they said they're bringing him back, and I mean, I mean, how can you fire? In theory, is like how can you fire? I made the playoffs, but um, I mean, I could I could figure out ways to get that done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think that this is a situation where this this Bears defense will play well, but they're not going to have the offensive uh, firepower to um, to compete with with, with New Orleans. Uh, I got New Orleans still. I think they'll put it on late. Uh, they will will go twenty four ten. Last one Sunday night NBC eight p.m. prime time. Uh, Browns and Steelers. You got special teams coordinator Mike uh, Prefer. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Prefer. I don't know. Uh, he's anyway. He's the head coach of the Browns this week because they don't have Tefanski. As I said last time, these two teams played. It was a miraculous comeback by the Steelers, who were down, um, you know, almost thirty points, 25, 30 points when they came back and won that game in uh, two thousand and two. To me, this is a. Uh, I just think that no Stefanski, I don't want to say no chance, but I think close to no chance. I think that, you know, a, a football a offensive coach, and I know he's preparing them this week. I mean, he could only go but so far in regards to, you know, scripting out the, the game and, and getting the game plan together. I mean, once teams make adjustments and stuff, now you're relying on uh, Alex Van Pelt, offensive coordinator, who was not called plays this year, and again, the special teams coordinator to then make the adjustments needed. I, I, I just think that the Steelers... They have their issues. I don't think any of us believe in them really as a Super Bowl contender, but I think they're they're like seasoned enough and they're like experienced enough that I think in a situation where the other team doesn't have their coach, 
they'll find a way to get the win. They have not played inspired football. I think this is their probably their no. This is the last. Next week will be the last week I think they play football. I think almost regardless of what happens, I don't see them beating um, a lot of these other AFC teams who will have their head coaches. That's how poorly they played so far. But um, but yeah, I think they'll they'll scrape by this week. I think this will still be close, but I think this gonna be too much without the head coach. So I'll say this is a uh, uh, let's do. I think this is going to be low scoring because of the whole coaching situation. Let's go 2017. Yeah, I think this is also going to be a, a bit of a route. Um, I think Cleveland is going to get punched in the mouth a little bit. Um, and without their, yeah, you know, look, I think when you take a loss like that, I think this Pittsburgh team, uh, Mike Tomlin is going to have them ready. And if there's anything Mike Tomlin, uh, you know, he gets a lot of criticism from a lot of people and – so there's one thing you can't criticize him for is having his teams ready in moments like these. And I think he'll have these guys ready uh, after what happened last week. You know, I think they'll remember that and not having Kevin Stefanski uh, will be felt. Uh, like I said, we're not, it's not just about not having the head coach, uh, but then not also not having a head coach that is your offensive play caller. And like you said, one of the best in the league, um, it, it's going to, it'll, 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 it'll sting. And, you know, I think we'll see this this Pittsburgh team get up early, and I don't think they'll be able to catch them in Cleveland. Uh, I'll go Pittsburgh thirty four, Cleveland. Uh, let's go Cleveland twenty one. Right, that that does it for our wild card weekend predictions. Um, I think we were, I think we all had the same picks here. So that's that's kind of interesting. So. Is it a really good week for us or a really bad week? We'll see it, I mean, these matchups, let's be honest. I mean, besides the Ravens one, some of these are like... <laughs> I, mean, they kinda... I, mean, I, I mean, I think the Bills and Colts is an interesting game. That, yeah, that's that, that, that to me is the... Is the yeah. That to me is the upset special game you're looking at. Yeah. I, I think that the Ravens... No one thinks the Ravens and Titans is a real upset. Regardless of what happens. But... Yeah. To Colts and Bills, I think that's the game you look at and say, you know, that Colts offensive line gets in the rhythm and they can start... They can really run the ball and... The Bills don't get them into more of a up-tempo kind of game because the Bills can take the ball away. We could talk about maybe they've given up the yards this year. They're still their secondary is still um, dangerous with White and and, and Pointer. So yes, if they can and Rivers, we know can be loose with the ball sometimes. But so if he doesn't get in that kind of game, which to me again the Colts are built to maybe have him avoid that kind of game. That's where I think it is interesting. If they get them in that kind of game. I think the Colts are in the world of hurt. They can't. I don't think they could win a track meet against the Bills. But if it becomes more of a nip and tuck kind of game, they're protecting the ball. You know, Taylor's really getting the rhythm, running the rock. The offensive lines in the rhythm, blocking for him. Now, you know, Allen, you know, has to make every drive count because he's not on the field as much. That's when you know the Bills have to play that kind of game. That's when I think we've seen them kind of struggle um, in the few games they've lost. So. Uh, that's what I'll be looking at this year. Before we get to college football, Kendall, we got to quickly talk about this Eagles controversy. So the Washington football team made the playoffs in large thanks to how the Philadelphia Eagles approached this last game of the regular season that happened this past weekend. They were playing in a win, uh, winning, get in or winning, win or go, a loser, go, win or go home kind of game. Uh, the Giants had won earlier in the day, beating uh, Dallas in what was another terrible NFC uh, East contest. All these NFC East contests, I just feel like 
I feel ashamed that I have to sit there and watch through some of these games. It just and then you had no choice because these games were the one of the biggest games that mattered in terms of playoff positioning. And I'm just like I, I would never ever want to watch these teams play, and I have no choice now uh, because of yeah. the, the, the 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 importance of these games, especially given I work in New York City for a news network and the Giants make the playoffs is important. But nonetheless, Giants, Giants won a terrible game. They literally almost fumbled the game away, um, and we came into Sunday night. It was a big atmosphere. Um, because Washington was trying to make close the first time in a while, and it was a Sunday night primetime kind of game. It was not a well-played game, but it was a close game. Heading into uh, the fourth quarter, Jalen Hurts was starting for the Eagles. Um, there already been, been some kind of weird coaching throughout the game, uh, you know, going for it on fourth down, supposed to keep the field goal to tie it. You know, why would you take the guaranteed points? And, you know, so that, you know, when you're deep into the red zone, you're in a close game. So it was a lot of weird stuff going on even before the the really what became the the controversy of the sport happened when Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Eagles, replaced Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfeld, their third string quarterback who was playing second string this week because uh, Carson Wentz was inactive, and it was a decision that really seemed inexplicable. Though the only people that seemed to kind of be anticipating it potentially was uh chris collinsworth and al michaels who kind of kept saying i mean doug said during the week that he wanted to get this sudfield guy in. i don't know when that's going to happen given how this game is going but he said that that was a thing they wanted to do and uh started fourth quarter despite the fact that the you know the Washington football team's fighting for their life trying to get into the postseason and the eagles are, are giving them a game it wasn't a great game but it was a game it was a close game um, and just throw out the division rivalry, all that stuff. The uh, uh, Doug Peterson took out Hertz, put in Sudfeld, who just uh, had just no chance playing in that kind of game. Um, no disrespect to Sudfeld, he seems like a good guy, and, and you know he was trying his best, but um, it just wasn't going to happen on that night. Cold coming in cold against that pass rush against team that's fighting for their life, um, and and it. it uh, it really sparked a lot of controversy. You had reports of players that were so angry with Doug Peterson, they had to be restrained from going after him. Um, apparently, Jason Kelsey had to, you know, talk was talking to him about, you know, not being very happy and pleased with this decision. Jalen Hurts would be on the sideline, you know, mouthing, you know, this ain't right. Uh, you had, you know, Miles Sanders calling up, uh, shout out to 94 Sports uh, Radio WIP, you know, saying, you know, basically no one was uh, uh, pleased with this decision. We all were very unhappy with the decision to put in Nate Sudfeld. And really questions uh, started to arise about, you know, did the Eagles really leave a stain on the sport by essentially making a move that we all knew would pretty much give them no chance. And then when we actually saw it happen, it was confirmed that they were going to have no chance to win that game once Sudfeld was put in. Kendall... I know we've talked a lot about this off the air, and we should preface by saying, you know, you have been a part of the Eagles organization. Um, you, you were, yeah. You've interned. You've yeah. interned in, in, yeah, so you, you've interned uh, last season, not this season, in their video department. I think that's important context for this conversation for our audience. What did you make of the Eagles' decision and the controversy that kind of bore out of it? Do you think that it was fair? Do you think that it was heavy-handed? Um, and what do you think uh, of, uh, do you think that Peterson's in a situation now where, where, you know, does he really have an issue in terms of control of the locker room, given how angry guys apparently were? So 
fun fact my uh my first day with the eagles last year i had to uh i was a part of a uh, nate sudfeld uh rehab workout so um <laughs> shout out to nate sudfeld but um yeah yeah look uh do i so what's your question again do do i agree with the well no it's like what do you what do you make of the controversy you know oh, uh, right. uh do you think that did you think that the the criticism was heavy-handed or fair, right, right, right. And do you, and you know what do you think about Peterson's? You know, yeah. What do you think about his stance in the locker room? Can he continue? So the criticism, uh, if we're talking about the criticism of the Eagles' decision, I personally think that it is uh, extremely heavy-handed. Um, I I don't get the people. I understand if you're a football fan, you're just watching the game and you see this happen. It does take you out of the game. Um, and I, 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 I get it from a fan's perspective. I only get it from a fan's perspective. But if we're analyzing this, if you're an analyst out there who's analyzing this from a broader NFL perspective, um, and you're bringing up the Giants and you're bringing up other stuff, it doesn't make any sense for the Eagles in that situation to win that game. From and I know that sounds like oh so what you should lose every game. Well, in that specific situation, given the set of rules that the NFL has laid out, the Eagles were were in a position where because they had they had gotten a tie against Cincinnati in a game earlier this season, which I think people should be more upset about than even this game. If you're going to be upset at anything, be upset about the tie that they had where Doug Peterson decided to punt. With ten seconds left in overtime, as opposed to kick a field goal, or go for or go for a hail mary on fourth down. But regardless, if you're, if you're upset about uh, the situation where tied the had, they would have lost. They would have won this game. They would have to the ninth pick in the draft. If they would have lost this game, which is what ended up happening, they now have the sixth pick in the draft. So simple math. It, you that this is a this is a decision that has people with scouting backgrounds, people with analytic backgrounds would tell you that having the sixth pick in the draft is a massive, is a massively is a much more valuable asset than the ninth pick in the draft. It's 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 and again it's not a complex it's not a complex uh, concept, but something that people seem to be overlooking in this conversation. I understand uh, from a player's perspective, that's the other aspect. I know I said from a fan's perspective. From a player's perspective, they 100% have a reason to be upset. Um, I don't care if the Eagles have the sixth pick or the ninth pick. I don't see any difference between that. It's the same conversation we had. From the, from the standpoint, these are the same people that have that were mocking and making fun of the Jets for winning games the last two weeks when they needed, when people thought that they should get Trevor Lawrence. And now the Eagles go out and do the exact thing that people said that the Jets should have done. And now they're being, they're being blasted and they're, they're, they're hurting the integrity of the game. Don't be upset because this was a Sunday night football game. That That's not the Eagles decision. I've been a part of, again, I've, <laughs> I've been a part of situations where, you know, these organizations are, they're waiting. They want to see when are we playing. A lot of times they don't want to be playing on prime time because sometimes these people have obligations. But um, it wasn't their it wasn't their fault 
that they were playing on prime time. So don't be upset that you're watching the game. Um, they didn't make that. They didn't make that decision. Don't be upset that it was a close game, and you know you want to see how it ended, because the Eagles that that's not Howie Roseman's. That that's not his. He doesn't he doesn't work for the fans, and by the fans I mean just general NFL fans. He he works for Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, and and by the reason Howie Roseman and not Doug Peterson is because this wasn't Doug Peterson's decision. You know I mean anybody that that has. You know, two it has two eyes and just knows the way these things work. Knows that Doug Peterson doesn't make that doesn't make that call without communication with Harry Roseman, and I would argue probably without communication, probably not without communication with Jeffrey Lurie from at least Howie Roseman. I would imagine um, we had had reports earlier that week that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey and Doug Peterson were safe. They were back so it wasn't. Surprising. And a couple of days later, they would make calls to say to make the to bring the back because come April or May or whenever the draft is, I believe it's in April, and they have to make the decision between drafting Micah Parsons or Patrick Sertain or Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or whoever they want. They're going to be glad that they get to make that decision because if they would have been at nine, they wouldn't have been making any decision. They would have been they would have been stuck with the guy that they ended up with, and it's and we're fighting. Look, again, we're fighting this over over what? What what, what did they not be able to do? They because Jalen Hurst didn't get some snaps in the fourth quarter of a meaningless game. In my in my, in my I mean in my mind, they should be glad Jalen got out of that game healthy, and nobody cares about that, but. Again, he's he's a franchise quarterback, which at this point, I would argue probably probably have to move forward. I mean, yeah, I mean Carson Wentz is making their decision for them, the way he's yes. acting. Um, if, if you think he's a franchise quarterback, then you gotta protect him. You got, you know, I mean, you can't have what happened to him happen. What happened to Joe Burrow happened to him. And I'm saying that's that's what would have happened. He's obviously more mobile, and he's been playing well in that game for the most part. But it's again, it's it's it, to me, it's just a bravado. And I know people are like, oh, but what about the Giants? They played so hard, and you know they've competed all year, and you know they played hard in that last game against Dallas, and to have that taken away from them is is anti is anti NFL. I to me I I I have zero sympathy for a Giants team that won six games and is upset that they they didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. They won they lost ten games this year. The Miami Dolphins lost six games this season, and I didn't hear Brian Flores, I didn't hear Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua Tagovailoa or Devontae Parker or Christian Wilkins or anybody on that Dolphins team complaining about yeah, but this team. We lost this game because this guy didn't play. So why can't we get in the playoffs? Like, this is an Eagles team that even if Jalen Hurst was out there, probably would have lost. <laughs> I mean, they won four games all year. This isn't a this isn't a great football team, right? If if you're upset that this that, that this if you're a Giants fan or you're a Giants player and you're upset that this Eagles team lost this game because Jalen Hurst wasn't out there, then again, that's not the problem. You're the problem. Like your franchise is the problem. 
So I don't want to hear anything about the Giants. I don't want to hear anything about uh, tanking because it's not the it's the NFL's fault. Institute a lottery. Institute a lottery system. That's the end of the that's the end of the conversation. But I don't know. There's not much you can do. Um, these fans. I don't know. What was your take on this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so look, I I feel like with. First of all, when Joe Judge said, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we didn't do enough uh, to win enough games to make the playoffs, he should have ended his statement right there. Uh, all the words that came out after the, he said those words were nonsense. Um, the Eagles don't owe you anything. The Eagles don't, uh, you know, they don't have, there's no right for them to play hard so you can make the playoffs. That's just not in any way, shape, or form any interest that they should have with your organization. So. Um, and you want, and you're, you would have, you, you're, you're upset because you didn't make the playoffs, uh, when you had the worst, you would have had the worst record ever for a team to ever make the playoffs. Come on now. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's pipe down. Uh, I know people wanted to put them in Canton when they were playing decent. They still were a six win team. Bill Parcells said, you are what your record says you are. And you're a six win team that didn't make the playoffs. So that's all I really need to hear from Joe Judge, who in his first season, that was all he accomplished. Now, in regards to the Eagles. Here's what I'll say. I think that I, I think I have no. It, you know me. I am not an anti-tanking guy. I I always want to hear the circumstances around tanking before I make pass judgment on anybody for tanking. Because that's clearly what happened to me. I mean, you know, people saying, "Oh, what could have happened? What were they doing?" I mean, they, they clearly were tanking. And you know, people, you know, when you're talking about tanking, they say, "Oh, how do you know teams are tanking and stuff?" I'm like. You start playing the young guys. You're playing the young guys. Yeah, you're evaluating them, but also you know, chances are we play these young guys. We ain't gonna win. Now you could coach. You're not. You're not coaching to lose per se. Though again, there were some weird coaching decisions in this game beyond just the, the quarterback change. Um, but you're still coaching the guys because you don't want to get them hurt. Like, you're still coaching to try to win. But you know, given the guys you're putting out there, the chances of you winning are much slimmer. Um, but you're okay with that because you want. You do want to legitimately evaluate the guys, and you do want. Uh, to lose so you have a better draft position. And to me, I don't, in a vacuum, have an issue with the Eagles coming into this game being like, if we win, we're ninth. If we lose, we're sixth. Uh, the the Jets, when they drafted sixth in 2017, drafted Jamal Adams. The Bengals, when they drafted uh, ninth, took uh, John Ross. Uh, you tell me, Kendall, who do you think would have preferred to be drafting um, sixth in that situation? You think the Jets... Prefer drafting sixth, even though it didn't work out with Jamal. They still got, you know, great draft capital out of that. Or do you think yep. that the Bengals are happy with a guy who had two catches this year? I'm pretty sure uh, that the Bengals uh, don't look at that situation as fondly. I'm sure they, they would have dropped a couple of games so they could have had a player, a game-changing defensive player like Jamal Adams, no? No, yeah, I'd say you're right. But, no, but EJ had to get snaps for Andy Dalton. You know, it was big for his development at the time. Oh, uh, right, yeah, of course, of course. Because then, not only beyond that, um, the next year— the Colts, uh, drafting six, they take uh, Quentin Nelson, um, one of the best offensive linemen in the league, guy was an all-pro in his first season in the NFL. Yes. And and, and you immediately changed life for uh, Indianapolis. They made the playoffs that year and won a playoff game. I, I would think that, you know, they like that pick over in Indiana, Indianapolis. And then you have the, the 49ers, who, by, to fairness to them, they did end up uh, having a great year and going to the Super Bowl, you know, a year later after this pick. But uh, they drafted uh, Mike McGlinchey. Um, decent player. Good player, decent player. Not Quentin Nelson. Clearly not Quentin Nelson. Clearly not the game changer. 
The Colts changed quarterbacks a couple of times and still made the playoffs with Quentin Nelson protecting them. The, the, the 49ers had quarterback issues, and they haven't made the playoffs because McGlinchey's been able to block for them. So I'm pretty sure in that situation, they probably go back and say, you know what, if we would have dropped the game, we had Quentin Nelson in this offensive line. We might be in a bit better shape, no? Like, what I, what I think what I was annoyed about was this kind of like, I felt like the sports world, sometimes when you get into your, your overly righteous bag, in the sports media, sometimes you kind of lose sight of just, like, very simple things. And people, like, I felt like I, I was watching TV. I'm just seeing people just act like three draft spots in the NFL isn't gold. I've seen teams trade, like, multiple multiple picks to move up one spot in the NFL. In the, in the, EJ, you know how in, in when it comes to the NFL draft, like, the, 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 like it's a, it's there, each pick, like, there's a metric system. Right. In terms of what the value of each pick is. The the difference between having the sixth pick and the ninth pick is a, is another is an extra second round pick. Right. That is the difference. <laughs> you to, right. to get from nine to six in the NFL draft, you'd have to trade a second round pick to get there. Right. So, so would you rather like, would you rather do that, <laughs> or would you would you are you okay with losing this game that has no bearing on yes. your? Would you rather lose the second round pick, or would you rather lose this game to the to right. Washington? I mean, yeah, so, I, yeah, I so there's this notion that, like, they, yeah, there's this notion that, like, they didn't, they, what the spots they're moving up isn't that big a deal. There's this notion that, um, the player you may get at six is not going to change your life. And it's just garbage. It's complete nonsense. Randy Moss was taking, like, 24. Like, I mean, like, it, you, you, if you can get as high as you can get to get the guy you like, you need to be able to do that. Where I think the Eagles went wrong is just the, the approach to the whole thing. To me, if this is how you wanted to play it, to me, Jalen Hurts shouldn't have started. You should have said, we want to protect the young guy. We think he has a bright future. There's nothing in it for us in this game. We're going to start Nate Sudfeld. If he gets hurt or something happens, we'll put Jalen back in. But, you know, we've seen Jalen a couple games now. We've seen Wentz for years now. Let's let's give Sudfeld a shot. And, look, I think that at least not everyone comes in. You don't have to play with angry. You don't have to play with going crazy. I think the problem is I think – there was a lack of communication, not necessarily between Roseman and Laurie and Peterson. I think they were all on the same page. It was with the team. The team went out there acting like this was all Gucci, and it clearly wasn't. And when you go and you play three quarters of this game like it's straight, besides, again, that weird fourth down call, and then you pull the rug out from them. These are very proud men. These are pr- very prideful men. They've... Um, they put their blood, sweat, and tears out there regardless of what we, you know, sitting on couches and in armchairs, you know, saying what these guys are doing every week. I mean, these guys put dedicate their lives to this game. And I, I have great respect for the Kelsey's and the and the um and the Ertz's who I you know, so it's very emotional this week talking about what yeah. Philly meant to him. And I, I think Philly is a special city and I agree with him. Not necessarily in the best city world, but I agree with him that it's a special city to play football and it's uh and, and that it's 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 gonna be heartbreaking if he does if he doesn't he can't come back. But so, so not getting those guys on the same page with you, you going into the game is where they messed up. And I, do I think Doug has a problem? He might. He might. And and, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll be honest. I don't. I this team is so bad. I don't think that I care about that as much as maybe some of these other people do. Like. If this was a team that, the, oh, they get one or two pieces, they, they're going to be a contender. I'd say, yeah, I mean, this was kind of dicey though, how you played this. But this is a team that's clearly in a, in a rebuild situation. So 
as I saw, shout out to Wilmani Jones. So I don't think he agrees with me on this, but shout out to him for making the point that like, you know, there are situations where uh, if you lose the locker room, sometimes you can just get a new locker room. And Philly, Philly strikes me in a situation that probably needs a new locker room anyway. So these guys that are all upset, some of them are greatly respected and have won Super Bowl rings, but they're a team that's old in the tooth. They're a team that needs a, a big rebuild. Obviously, Miles Sanders is a young player. and He's someone you would want in the fold. But there's a lot of turnover that needs to come in anyway. I'm not tripping, really, about some of these guys that shouldn't, really, shouldn't have even been out there playing <laughs> for the Eagles this year or playing in any NFL team. Some of these old cats who won their last legs in Philly. I'm not tripping too much about that. Uh, but it is something they got to keep an eye, for, eye on in terms of, like, you know, if this thing yeah. turns south quickly next year, it may turn really south because of how this went down. But I was still not really – the action I can't hate because the draft value is obvious. And if you tell me what was more important, you know, appeasing these losers and winning this game or better draft value – I'm going to say better draft value. I'm sorry. I'm not saying it was the most smoothest decision. I think they could have done it better. It could have been smoothed over more easily. It could have been finessed differently. But the the value is still way more interested in the draft because nobody on that team, uh, in terms of the, the, the veteran guys, or they're, 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 none of those guys are going to be a factor when you turn this thing around. So I don't, I'm not concerned about them being all upset. I'm concerned about Hurts, who I got him out of the game early, and I, I can massage that situation. And... I'm concerned about the rest of the young guys, and I'm concerned about what I do in this next draft, in this offseason. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, couldn't have said it any better. So um, let's uh, let, let's move on now. Let's talk about this uh, college football playoff, Kendall. Alabama, Ohio State. I know there was some concern about whether or not the game could be played on time, given Ohio State had some more covid issues there's been no word about the game being postponed so i'm we're going to continue as if the game is going to happen um ohio state had a truly uh kind of like just remarkable performance in the sugar bowl against clemson it was a high profile game given all the 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 trash talk from clemson's head coach dabble sweeney about ohio state not deserving to be there and the matchup between justin fields and jalen and excuse me and uh trevor lawrence the quarterback matchup and uh, Fields, man, put on a show. They lit up Clemson, and uh, they're now in a situation playing as Alabama. They uh, beat up on Notre Dame, kind of as they'd be expected. Um, Devontae Smith put on a show and then won the Heisman a couple days later, so it's been a great week for him. Kendall, coming into this national championship game, how are you seeing this game shaking out? Yeah, this is uh, this is the game of the week to me. You know, I know people are excited for this wild card weekend, but this is the game. Um, obviously, you know, the performance that we saw from that Ohio State team in the Sugar Bowl was spectacular. Um, you know, the Justin Fields situation was, I mean, that look, that was one of the better, that was one of the better performances we've seen. That, that was, that was an all-time college football uh bowl game performance and you know that's something that he needed because from a talent perspective I've always made the case that Justin Fields is on the level of Lawrence on the level of Joe Burrow Tua all those guys as a prospect Sean Watson Vince Young Cam Newton Davis Winston but what he didn't have that all those guys had was that signature moment yeah Burrow's had that moment 
He had it last year, plenty of time, his whole season last year. Lawrence had his moment against Alabama as a freshman. Tua had his moment against Georgia as a freshman. Watson had his moment against Alabama. You know, we've all these guys have had those moments. Justin Fields, sent, you know, he didn't play as a freshman. Uh, last year at Ohio State was great, but when he got to the playoff, you know, played well in a game he could have won, but his moment was throwing a pick to, you know, to lose the game. Right. Um, so this was going to be, and then this year, I, he didn't have a great Big Ten championship game, but didn't play many games. A lot of people thought that they didn't deserve it, and um, it just, look, it just told me so much about Justin Fields, about his ability to play under pressure and, um, you know, with his back against the wall. But with all that being said, uh, this is going to be the real test because that Clemson team, I don't know. I don't know if they were been overrated or if not having Tony Elliott really affected them. Now, look, Tony Elliott is a coaching superstar. He'll yeah. be, you know, a head coach probably in the NFL um, not, too, not too long from now uh, if, if a blue blood college football program doesn't hire him quick. So, you know, not having him on the sidelines last weekend or in the booth, rather, uh, was yeah. going to affect them, but and the, the play calling seemed vanilla. But at the same time, that defense really impressed me. Yeah, sometimes um, a defense makes you look like you're doing vanilla stuff. Yeah, I, I had that impression with Ohio State. Right, and then that that and they caught momentum. They 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 had a momentum that was that was very special to watch. Kerry Coombs and that Kerry Coombs and that and that defense they just call it a great game and we saw because that first that first drive it was like oh man it's gonna be a shootout yeah i mean the first two first two drives pretty much the first yeah. two scores i mean it's like all right here we go this is this is what we kind of expected maybe and we're, we're we're off yeah but they they really you know eventually what it, the problem was once they could never get etn involved in the, in the running game that's when it became you know really concerning for this team and and they did not have their running back coach either, and you, I don't know if that affected them as well. But um, I don't know. This was a this, that was a, that was a tough performance. But going up against Alabama, the the key is going to be luck, and we've said it for years when you're talking about uh, Nick Saban coach teams. The talent is always going to be on the side of the Nick Saban coach team, but there are always a select few quarterbacks. Uh, that you would always you always feel like can make enough plays to beat a Nick Saban coach defense, and Justin Fields fits the archetype of the kind of quarterback that could single handedly win this game, and really, you know, as special as this this uh, Alabama offense has been all year, um, if Fields is as locked in as he was last week. And he will stay healthy. Then I don't know if they can beat them. And what he did to Clemson, I think he can do that to Alabama. And maybe that's me over overestimating how porous Clemson's defense was last week. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the fact that Brent Venables had those guys coached up enough to where they could have won that game. But Fields and Olave were just so locked in, and Trey Sermon deserved a ton of credit as well. Way he was running that yeah. rock, that I, you know, if they can repeat that form performance, I think they can win this game. 
Yeah, see that I think the last part I think was a key. I'm not trying to di- you know diminish Fields. He was um, he pitched pretty much a perfect game with the exception of the interception ball he threw, which he got hit. Um, he was just electric. I mean, just I mean, you want to talk about putting on a show for NFL scouts and maybe doubters who are unsure about where you are. I mean, he played an exceptional football game last week. I mean, I was so impressed with how he played. But to me, what we've seen from Ohio State this year is the offense really hasn't been unlocked really almost all year. You know, they played against those terrible teams. I'm talking about against any games that mattered against decent teams. The offense yeah, hadn't really Marge. been unlocked. <laughs> that Nebraska game, man, that offense was on point. I'm talking about the games that mattered against the teams that we somewhat respect. And to be fair, a lot of people thought that, you know, those are teams they should have ran through, Northwestern and Indiana. But what we have seen in those games at times was there wasn't uh, complimentary football. You know, they, they, we didn't see Fields play well in some of those games. And it really wasn't until the, the really the Big Ten Championship game where we really saw Sermon really get going. And, you know, Ohio State has had some really great running backs in recent years. And I think that we talk about the quarterback play for that team a lot. But I think, honestly, the, the running game for them for the past six, seven years in the Urban Meyer Day era, I think has been really underrated. And I think they kind of came this year kind of feeling like Sermon, man. He was kind of like the worst guy they've had in a while. He ain't look like it the last two times I've seen him play. He looks <laughs> as good as any yeah. other Ohio State running back I've seen, Dobbins, Zeke, all of them. So seeing Sermon run so angry the way he's been running, um, see the offensive line just mowing down people. I mean, that defensive line for, for Clemson, young, but extremely athletic and extremely tough to move around. And they pushed him around. And if they have that kind of performance against Ohio, Alabama, I think they're going to have a shot because Alabama is a, just an out-of-this-world offensive team. They receive, you, you can't cover Devontae Smith. He gets open every single time. Um, offensive line is fantastic. Mac Jones makes all the right throws. They're, they're just they're, – they're, it may be Saban's best offense. Um, at least in regards to like production, maybe not talent, but like the production of the offense. They, I think they are. I think they they score the most points. But the defense is good, but I don't think it's like they're they're infallible. I think we've seen that this year. We've seen them have games against teams that we look back in hindsight and be like, did you give that many points to that team? Like, what what was going on there? They 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 played you know pretty great against Notre Dame. I just don't think Notre Dame presents. Uh, the the challenges Ohio State has not only with deep ball on the outside, but then uh, the consistency of the running attack and, and the you know the um, the physical nature of a, of a back like Sermon. I don't think that they can consistently um, present challenges there. So I think that Ohio State is gonna move the ball. I think that they found I think they found a, a, they found something with their offense last week. And the question is though, can you repeat it? But sometimes, you know, this team played five games or six games, however many games they played. Like, they're kind of on a different clock than everyone else. So I don't know if I want to be so harsh in terms of how I'm going to judge them for this week based on, like, bad games I've seen them in the past. I think now we got to get to the point where, like, how are they playing? And, you know, I know it's only the last game, but the last game they played exceptional ball against a great team. And that to me tells me they're a team that will play up to the competition of Alabama. I think this is going to end up being a uh, electric national championship game. I think we're in for a class. The, 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 the matchup that people are 
And I, to be fair, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I haven't, like, not even zeroing in, zeroing in on coverage because, you know, it's just been all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it's been a little bit. We've, but, yeah, been a little bit in a turmoil, if you haven't. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, with the elections and other stuff. But regardless, um, because of because I haven't been zeroing in, but I, I, you know, I feel like one of the matchups that is being overlooked is. That wire that that wire receiving core at Alabama, which maybe adding Jaden yeah. Waddle this weekend yeah. uh, or next week, which um, boy, you know, it, part of me is kind of like, man, I don't know if Waddle should be going out there in such a high intensity environment, one game right. when you know you're trying to just get to the league. But yeah. on the other side, it's like, I mean, it's a national championship game. Yeah, it's a national championship game. It's your last game in college, um, and he hasn't won one. Smith won yeah. one. You know, as a freshman, he, had the, he you know he had the game winning touchdown with Tua, but uh, Waddle wasn't on that team, so I'm sure he wants to be out there. It's as bad as that Ohio State secondary looked, man. Last week, you know that that's that's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge. I mean, Sean Wade is a guy that came into this season, you know, people thought would be a top ten pick, probably be the first corner taken. Um, he had a rough day yesterday, last week. Yeah, he had he had an awful he had an awful week last week. He's had kind of a he's had kind of a rough season. I mean, I remember you know Jahan Dotson at Penn State was just he was killing Sean Wade. You know when they played each other uh, earlier this season, um, he's had quite a few performances where he just he hasn't shown up. And um, you know I I do wonder uh, what will what. What will he do against a guy like Devontae Smith, who I mean, Notre Dame had no answer for, and that's the, that's the, the it's the it's the it's the end. I feel like you know in in DC, it's the anti life equation with the Alabama offense <laughs> is, you know, as we saw it with Notre Dame, like if they put eight nine in the box and you put single coverage on Devontae Smith, you're done. It's you're toast. Like you can't put single coverage on Devontae Smith. And so when they would double Devontae Smith, they just pound the rock with Najee Harris all game. And Najee Harris, underratedly, might be the best player in college football. <laughs> you know, as good as Devontae Smith, he's the Heisman Trophy winner. And Mike Jones was the Heisman, third-place third Heisman winner. And we were talking about Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Najee Harris might be the best player in college football. And he didn't get that recognition. But, I mean, we saw I mean, plenty of people, if you were watching the Rose Bowl, you saw that hurdle, obviously, that he had against Notre Dame. Then you saw the, the talent level that Najee Harris has. It's That's what makes this Alabama offense so unstoppable, is if you commit to the running game, Mac Jones has a million weapons. Mechie's played good. If you get Waddle back, then, I mean, again, it's like you feel like it's good night. And Devontae Smith has played, has played excellent all season. But, and, I mean, Devontae Smith, he tore up uh, Derek Stingley at LSU this year. You know, I mean, he's <laughs> any corner, any corner you put up. Hey, look, I, I, I mean, I sent you guys a text uh, last week during the Rose Bowl that he reminded me of Chad Ochocinco, Devontae Smith, and I felt like Devontae Smith. He, you know, he brought out the list this year. He's like, "What corner do you want me to look up?" <laughs> he brought out the Ocho list, yeah. And all those SEC corners, he tore them all up. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be any different with Sean Wade. Sean Wade didn't inspire any confidence in me last week when he matched up with Powell and Amari Rogers, but um, I don't know. I, this seems like this will be a shootout, but Justin Fields is so good 
that I feel like Ohio State can still win this game. It yeah. really comes down to his health. Uh, to be honest, with you. I I think that that's a big part of this. You know, he was he wasn't healthy in that. In no, that I mean, I mean, it was. Like, a lot. It was I was just gonna say it was. I don't want to say it was embarrassing, but it was disappointing how bad that Clemson defense looked against Justin Fields when he he couldn't run. Not to say Justin Fields can't, you know, beat you with his arm because we saw it, but you know he made. I mean, this was. An, an I, th- I think not. I think not, I think Sikorsky, you know, also being out of there. I think really. Right, they already were down the linebacker the first half. Yeah, now they're all Americans out the second half. It, you know, it, it you know it it wasn't Clemson's night. They had a lot of things going against them. Um, so yeah, so so it was sure. what it was. But yeah, I mean, Fields was great. But I think that you know you're talking about playing a game. You're trying to win. You're in the zone. The adrenaline, having, the adrenaline is flowing. They've hooked you up. They've 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 given you an injection. You probably don't know what the injection is. They haven't even just diagnosed what was wrong with you. He said they luckily, never. Uh, even... Luckily, he didn't have the Chargers doctor. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Thank, they, thank God he didn't have the guy who. I'll be honest with you. If I was Justin Fields, like I would have been. Not, like, they didn't have Dr. Scissorhands. They didn't have Dr. Scissorhands from uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, Ty, Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> luckily, Justin Herbert's not his backup. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah Justin no, Herbert was nowhere to be found. So so. If you thought you told me yeah, we're gonna inject you with something, I'd be like, is this the same thing that Tyra Taylor got? Yeah, that man almost died when they tried to inject yeah, him. Man. So yeah, it's yeah, when all those situations happening, it's just different. I think now a week the pain is set in, now you're dealing with whatever's wrong with him. Because something to me is clearly wrong with him. Um Alabama's defense is not gonna relent. I don't think they're gonna make the kind of mistake that Swarovski made and you know get themselves out of the game. But they're gonna make Fields feel them, no pun intended. So this is a different ball game. Um, and Fields, I mean, I mentioned it to you last week, and I was completely wrong. I mean, I thought Fields would have a big game, and I was right about that part of it. But I was completely wrong about the fact that I thought the, they needed to win with Justin Fields' legs, and they, they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> now, to be fair, he was running well before he got hurt. But, yeah, he, yeah, but yeah, I mean, the game plan was working initially. The game plan, they, they agreed with your game plan, but then they had to abandon it. Yeah, they had to abandon it, and, you know, they and were just he, he, he got better. Yeah. Um, and I think that's look. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit, and they had said it all week. And Kirk Herbstreit talked about it on the broadcast that Fields had mentioned multiple times that he had been as prepared for that game. He'd been. He said. I mean, he said like he was like twenty times more prepared for that game than he's ever been for any game in his life. So, and I'd imagine that he'll bring that same level of uh, preparation that's a, into. That's kind of an, that's kind of an indictment on uh, homeboy. I, and I thought about that, but. Oh, I didn't even see the indictment on Fields. I was like, yeah. No, 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 no. Not nothing. No diss to Fields. I mean, I'm like, really? Homeboy played you once, and now he's like, oh, I know your playbook. I'm good. Yeah, you're right. I don't feel good about that. Right. And, you know, if he, if, look, I mean, let's keep it a buck. I mean, there are Alabama fans that don't, that aren't huge fans of their defense coordinator, Pete Golden. You know, they're kind of like, who's this guy? So. I mean, they um, have good reason. We watch them play defense this year. They, yeah. they've been very up and down. You know, they're yeah, lucky right. they have Mac Jones and Devontae Smith who can outscore everyone they play. Yeah. yeah, watch the Ole Miss. Watch the Ole Miss game. I mean, Lane Kiffin. You look like he knew the playbook, which he probably yeah. did. But yeah, yeah, he may. He actually did probably. But <laughs> but and I feel like they said that. I feel like I feel like I don't know if one of these guys was like, yo, I think they knew our plays or something. They had to have known our plays or something. But um. But yeah, nah. This is just this is gonna be a shootout, and I think, like you said, this has a chance to be an all-time national championship game. Yeah, I think it. I think it will be a shootout, Kendall. I'm gonna do. Let's do picks here. I, I, I'm gonna say 
Alabama wins a a hellacious shootout. Uh, I'm gonna say the score is gonna be like uh, forty-eight to forty-one. I think Fields lights it up. But I think maybe late in the game, some of those shots he's gonna take by the defense, he may kind of run out of gas. Uh, the Smith is just uncoverable. I mean, what a so happy he won the Heisman. Um, receiver yeah, had he won time since Desmond Howard. He 100 deserved. The guy is just. I, I don't get Lawrence getting the second spot, but that that was just me. Uh, uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see <laughs> that. But, but to me, you know, Smith was just guy was just you can't guard him. You can't cover him. And Ohio State secondary didn't give you much confidence. Now the pass rush did seem to gain some confidence in that game against Clemson. Now if they can do some things, you know, that'll be a little different. But uh, to me, Clemson's offensive line is very good. I don't think that they're like game changing great. It's not Alabama's offensive line. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Um, I, I you know in that game against Miami, you know they won that game handily. You know, I saw Miami's defensive line get upfield and make some yeah. plays in that game. So and that was against that was against to be fair a good defensive line and good pass rushers. But I mean, uh, I mean Alabama has good pass rushers. So this is kind of game they're going to be in. I I don't think that Alabama's going to have the kind of breakdown they had uh, Clemson had on the line. So. Uh, I think that they're going to score at will pretty much. It's going to be can Fields catch up. He'll he'll keep them in it, but not enough to win. You know, I like your feel for that for that game. Yeah, you because, know, I mean, look, the thing that worries me about Justin Fields, we've seen it time and time again, is he can be, I mean, I mean, he's, he you know, he talked about the preparation that he had. He typically comes into the game locked in. But then, you know, he has those moments where he just has brain farts and he, you know, as we saw in that game last year where he just turns the ball over in, in late situations, you kind of feel like that may happen this week. But I'm going to say that he is as locked in this week as he was last week. And it'll be an absolute shootout. Devontae Smith's going to have a big game. If Waddle's out there, he'll make some plays. Um, but I think not... I think facing an offense, because this will be the first offense that Alabama has played that will be able to score with them. And I think that'll, that'll, I don't want to say it'll, it'll, it'll mess with them, but um, it'll put pressure on them. And I think it'll put enough pressure on them. And this isn't like, yeah, yeah, but like, I mean, Ole Miss had an offense that could score with them, sure, but then. The defense literally never got off the field. Like the defense never got to stop, you know. So uh, that, that I guess that's the only situation. I think Ohio State defense will get a stop. You know, I don't know if they'll get a ton, yeah. but they'll, they'll, they'll force them <laughs> to punt once. Yeah, um, Ole Miss couldn't do. So I'm going to I, I'll say I'll say Alabama wins this game. I mean uh, Ohio State rather wins this game. Um, I think Justin Fields has another incredible performance. Um, are they all the nonsense talk? And I'm, I'm going to say it. It's nonsense talk that he's not a top two or three pick. Is uh, It'll be done after Monday. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, again, I mean, there are mock drafts that have him out of the top ten. I just, I, I don't get it personally. But uh, that, that's, we can say, I guess we can say that for another day. But um, I think all that conversation is done, and I think he, he ends his career with a national championship. And honestly, if, if they win that... 
I'll ask you the question. If he wins the national championship, will there be conversations about him going to Jacksonville? At number uh, one? Yeah. Because I think, I think it's... Uh, yeah, because uh, it's it's the nature of sports media, EJ. Right. Well, yeah. It, it, you know, first of all, the you know nature of sports media, the 24-hour news cycle, you know, that's too much gold to not approach that. Um, and it's going to create... Uh, it, trust me. I'll tell you what. The sports media was not, it is not ready for that conversation. Because <laughs> the, the asinine stuff I was seeing um, after what happened in the Clemson game, they, they're not ready for... Fields beating Alabama, winning the MVP of the National Championship game. They're not ready for that. Because I was seeing a lot of very fragile men just screaming and crying about, oh, Lawrence had all these great games and now Fields is better. It was like, it was like, yo, can y'all chill? Trevor Lawrence is going to be just fine. He's six foot six. He can throw the ball through a wall and throw it 100 yards. He's strong. He's going to be a multimillionaire. He's going to be just fine. It's okay that people are excited about what they saw from Fields in the game or making questions about maybe he should be number one. It's not going to be a tragedy to anybody if somehow, if that happens, it happens. But first of all, it's only one game. And yes, people are having conversations. But there's the, the hysteria I was seeing yeah. from fragile yeah. sports minds was crazy to me. I'm like, what are y'all going crazy about? This is not that big a deal that some people think, hey, maybe Fields is better. Relax. Yeah, it, it's a, it, 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 <laughs> Relax. It is. And, again, there, there, there was, this, there was this, there's this aura that, like, if you even mentioned Fields in that conversation, uh, I mean, I'm talking afterwards. If you even yeah. mentioned him, like, then you were just pretty You don't know football. Moment. Yeah, like, you only watched one Which game. is bizarre because I feel like people like you who, who have been on that field as trained for a long time, and I, I'll be I'll be I'll admit like I've given you a lot of crap for that this season because of how he played. Yeah, and then last year in, in the championship game, you know, in the, in the Fiesta Bowl, rather, you know, we had the conversation was there as well. But the, a lot of the times, a lot of the people that are are pro fields, it, it's because they've been following fields since beyond whenever these jokers finally saw him play. Right, they've been following him since high school. Like, yes, like these guys have been these yes. kids have been one and two since they were eight years old. <laughs> exactly. So, so the people who know that backstory, they know Fields has always been considered in Lawrence's class. It's only been since college. We're now, you know, when Lawrence's credit. He went, right. to a, he went to a bad situation in Georgia with a coach that didn't believe in him. And right. so he left. Or and and Lawrence went to... He believed in Jake Fromm so much. Right. So he, Lawrence so went to... Lawrence was a great situation. The coach that did believe in him and won the national championships shocked the world when they beat Alabama. Yes. And totally he, different. He deserves a ton of credit for that. Right. For he's that a great, great player. player. He, yes. He, he's the number one pick on a quarterback. Right. But Justin Fields might also be a number one pick on a quarterback. And that doesn't mean that Fields will go number one. Doesn't mean he deserves to go number one. Doesn't mean that Lawrence is the surefire number one guy. But, but again, we can have these conversations. I just couldn't see how grown adults were crying about. People just having conversations about what it feels is the guy. How many quarterbacks have we seen that we thought was 100% the guy and wasn't? It's just to think that anybody, as great as Lawrence is, and he looks fantastic, to think that anybody is this 100% sure thing, there's no chance that anyone else, anyone in his draft can be in his class when you're talking about quarterbacks, is idiotic. It is. Because of what we've seen... Throughout history, it's not anything against Lawrence. He looks as all world as you can be to me. I've always said he's number one in my opinion. Yeah. But this with is- Andrew Luck, 
Remember when Andrew Luck was the can't-miss guy? Right. Don't even think about him. Don't even think about anyone else in that draft. Was he the best quarterback coming out of that draft, EJ? Uh, yes, he was. Or was he? Why? Why? I believe Russell Wilson was in that draft. If I'm oh, not that's true. That's true. So, I'm not saying that Kellen Mond or one of these guys is going to be better right. than Trevor Lawrence, but I'm just saying that you know these. At the very uh, least, at the very least, he's not the most accomplished quarterback for sure. Right, and you know, some of the, yeah, you can always argue it's about situation. And exactly, a lot of people are going to Jacksonville, and if I'm Justin Fields and I see Mock Draft me going to New England, I'm like, all right, <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel pretty good. The money ain't, uh, ain't going to be the same, but I'll make that up on the back end. <laughs> when I go to Brady, when I when I go to Belichick, and I go, and I go to Josh McDaniels, I'll make that up on the back end. Yeah, yeah, I just I just couldn't see I couldn't see the the hysteria that was happening. So, I mean, I kind like I I I, I want to see a great game if if Fields does what people think is the impossible and wins this game. That it would be great to see, but the hysteria that will come from people that for some reason feel they have to protect Trevor Lawrence. I'm like again. Want to talk about football royalty? I'm like, what? He'll be just fine. That boy can play. He's one of the yeah, best cops yeah, I, I mean, I've ever seen. I mean, I can't we, he doesn't need you to talk about how great he is. I think NFL teams know. I think I think I think NFL teams know. Um, hey, look, I'll tell you. Yeah, sorry. If, last thing real quick. If Fields in this is a conversation, we'll probably end up having. Certainly, end up having later in the, later in the conversation later in the in the season. Um, later in the spring. If Fields wins this game, or if he doesn't, I don't know. But I could see in a situation if Urban Meyer or Ryan Day ends up in Jacksonville, them wanting Justin Fields. Like, Urban Meyer was at that game, obviously, last week. And, you know, a lot of people, they the jokes, Urban Meyer's there to scout Trevor Lawrence. Maybe he is. I mean, he was there, quote-unquote, working for the Big Ten yeah, Network. Exactly. You know, but I have my I have my questions about you know why you know why is he really there? Um, he's there to support his guys, quote unquote. But how do we know that he wasn't there and he didn't come with the with the he didn't come up with the impression that Justin Fields is his guy? He didn't. As, co- we, as we know, Kendall, with uh, NFL teams, I mean it's really any sport, but it seems like with NFL. When it comes to NFL teams and quarterbacks, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And what 100 other people think may not be what that one guy thinks. Remember? And because, and because of just how, because of how much of a crapshoot drafting quarterbacks very high is, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing. Yeah. And remember when, I mean, remember just a couple years ago, when the Arizona Cardinals had the number one pick, at this time a couple years ago, there was like nobody nobody thought everybody thought Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback in the draft. Like a lot of people thought Kyler Murray might not even go to the go to the NFL. They were like, is he going to the NFL? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had just won the Heisman, but it was like, all right, so he'll probably go to the NFL. But you know, I mean, is he gonna be a first round pick? I don't know. And then. Then, you know, the momentum started to build. All right, he'll, he'll probably get drafted in the top 10. And then Cliff Kingsbury got the job, and we were on here, and I remember I was like, oh, Cliff Kingsbury got, got the job? I mean, he's going to Arizona. Like, Murray, he's going to draft Kyler Murray. But they have the same agent. We, and But we didn't, but people thought that was crazy. People thought, yo, you're going to draft a 5'9 quarterback number one? 
And then it, it, it got crazy up until the point where they drafted him. And it was like, well, this is what's happening. He's the best player in the draft now. Like, not saying that there was no Trevor Lawrence in that draft. So it's a different conversation. But could Urban Meyer view Justin Fields as a better fit for his system than Trevor Lawrence? I mean, Justin Fields is more like the quarterbacks that Urban Meyer has typically succeeded with. Not to say that Trevor Lawrence is a good athlete, but he's not the athlete that Justin Fields is. So, I don't know. It's all... It'll be be interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's why we play the games. That's why we're going to have maybe some answers, some questions answered this weekend. So, or this upcoming week on Monday. Really excited for the game. Cannot wait. Should be a good one. Let's wrap it up with Kendall's court. Kendall, let's get us out of here. What do you got? Yeah, so uh, wrapping up this show, EJ, we, uh, speaking of college football, um, uh, Nick Saban in this national championship game on Monday is going to be walking into a very familiar site. Um, and it's not just the fact that he's going to be coaching in the college football playoff, but he will also be coaching in the college football playoff with an assistant who's going to be, who also uh, is leaving after the game. Um <laughs> Obviously, you know, this is a situation that he's familiar with. You know, had a lot of Alabama fans this week that were kind of rolling their eyes saying, here we go again. Another Lane Kiffin going to Florida Atlantic. Another uh, Kirby Smart going to Georgia. We, we've seen this countless times with Nick Saban. I feel like Jim McElwain did it when he was OC. Uh, this, this this year, it's Steve Sarkeesian, who, uh, their offense coordinator, who will be replacing Tom Herman at Texas. EJ, we talked about Tom Herman on Kendall's court maybe about a month ago. And, I mean, at the time when we had that conversation, we thought he was going to be gone. And then they, they kind of went on a little bit of a winning streak. Um, won their bowl game, uh, the Alamo Bowl against Colorado. Looked pretty good. And at that point, it seemed like Tom Herman was coming back. And apparently things changed when they watched the Rose Bowl this last week. And Steve Steve Sarkeesian's offense in the first half looked unstoppable. And I guess the Texas boosters and the Texas administration, um, the athletic department, just decided to pull the plug on the Tom Herman experiment to go to Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I don't know. When I had my monologue last week, or not last week, but last month, about Tom Herman and Texas. I warned Texas that the grass is not always greener when you fire a head coach. Uh, and this is what I was talking about. You know, not to blast Steve Sarkeesian, because he's an excellent offensive mind. He uh, obviously was the former head coach at USC, also coached at Washington prior to that, was the offensive coordinator um, and part of the staff, you know, for the years uh, with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart. So, I mean, the guy's a... You know, he's an offensive wizard and um, has experience coaching big-time college football. But I'm not convinced that Steve Sarkeesian is the guy that you move off Tom Herman again. Because if you like, if you get Steve Sarkeesian, if you get Steve Sarkeesian now, then you're stuck with Steve Sarkeesian for the next three years. And I feel like I would have, if I'm Texas, I would have bought time before I figured out who the next great coaching candidate was out there. And I just don't know if it's Steve Sarkeesian. <sighs> Kendall, look, with Sark, with Sark the hire in Texas, man, first of all, it seems like Sark has 
done all of the the hard work it takes to get your life back together when um, problems with addiction and, and substance abuse and things like that um, come to fruition. There seem to be issues with him uh, at UW and then at USC. It didn't appear like he was able to handle. I don't want to blame it on the pressure of the job, but certainly didn't seem like the pressure of the job helped maybe any issues he had in that department, and he had to leave the team and subsequently be fired at USC, kind of bounced around, and found a great home at the, uh, you know, the um, at Alabama, where they have taken a lot of coaches that maybe have fallen by the wayside or uh, kind of been uh, out of favor and have, you know, turned around and looked great in a couple of years Nick and, and parlayed that to head coaching jobs. Nick Saban should get a reality show on, like, E or like you know I don't, I don't know what what channel A and E or I don't know one of one of these channels like, um, like coaching boot camp coaching <laughs> boot camp coaching fix my life yeah um, Lane Kiffin and now we're, we're gonna see you with Adam Gase probably next year and obviously we see it with Steve Sarkeesian you know he knows how to rehabilitate the image of a coach um, and look it's it's the perfect spot. You're talking about rehabilitating your coaching reputation. I mean, you go to a situation where I mean, you just yeah, have no, nobody's as respected you know. as Nick Saban. Yeah, Nick Saban, and and that's the thing, you know, because some people argue is it is it the coach? I mean, like is it Saban or is it the talent? You know, that rehabilitates this guy. Like, is he? So that's the thing. Like, to he, me, he look good because I mean, he's got you know Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, right. and Tua and all these guys, or is Nick Saban's system? And culture so great that these guys now evolve as coaches from where we once saw them to now being these guys where Nick Saban, I mean, Lane Kiffin had a solid year at Ole Miss year. I just feel like, um, to me, one, I don't think that when you talk about this high, you can escape from how the situations ended for Sark in those other places. I know he's had a lot of growth, and I don't think someone should just be who they were, you know, five, six years ago, I think, you know, to me, Saban wouldn't have given him the keys to the car if he didn't really get his life together. And, and he hasn't done, he wouldn't have done as great a job as he's done if he didn't get his life together. So I think he deserves a lot of credit. But that is something you have to at least consider. It's part of his whole history as a head coach, as a coach in football, period. Um, I also feel like, to me, we've seen a lot of Alabama assistants thrive in Tuscaloosa, and as soon as they go, it things look very different. Um, I know Kirby Smart's doing you know pretty good at Georgia. Homeboy uh, at at Oregon is doing pretty good. Mario Cristobal, yeah, yeah. Everyone's everyone else. Eh, it's not looking too good for them, or they already left and they've already been fired. Kiffin had a nice win against uh, Indiana last week. Yeah, year I one. Mean, old. I know the records were kind of lopsided, and Indiana had a great season. But Ole Miss is supposed to be Indiana, especially if they don't have their <laughs> super superstar quarterback. That's just supposed to happen. Um, and they're celebrating like they won a, you know, a championship. Like, <laughs> look, uh, McIlwain, Kiffin, um, Loxie, uh, almost every guy except for Kirby that comes out of there they don't have success in the places they go. Pruitt, like <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt, yeah, Pruitt. <laughs> come on, like every single guy, Derek Dooley, 
I know he was like a sub plan because he went. He was I think he was an LSU guy, but um, like I, I just I'm just not gonna gonna buy it in terms of you having great success at Alabama, and I'm hiring you to be the pro, the head coach of my blue blood program that we every year we're anticipating winning a national championship or at the very least winning a conference championship. I just don't. I'm not doing it. I, I will find another head coach who's head coach somewhere who's been successful. The 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 and that's not to say that Sark doesn't know offensive football or can't coach. I think that he does know offensive football. I think he's a good coach. But as you said, I, Tom Herman may get hired by Alabama next year, and they may have better numbers. Because that's what happens when people go to Alabama. Coaches that yep. we thought had some talent that maybe found that you know, lost their way. So to me, I, what I saw happen this weekend was, um, despite what happened in their bowl game, they saw you know, Alabama's first half against Notre Dame, Texas people. And then they saw Ryan Day. And they said, what What the, like, Tom Herman was supposed to be Ryan Day is. <laughs> we should yeah. be what Ohio State is. The same team, same system. He's supposed to be the one that's doing it here. And he has the roots here. So this this should this should work. How is this not working? How is that guy now championship? And they got another, they got a young, uh, not youngish, but they got an offensive coach. Alabama, who's lighting it up in the first half against Notre Dame. I think AD's, you know, excuse me, uh, Boosters got on the phone, said, yo, we got to get homeboy out of here. Boosters were probably in the stadium. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they might have been in the stadium. You're right, because there was a lot of fans there. So they might have been, you know, at the crib. And like, yo, we got to get homeboy out of here. It's a wrap. Um, I I can't, we we can't have, you know, young offensive coaches out here lighting it up. And our guy, you know, again, we're celebrating wins against Colorado, but we're losing – um, you know, to, to Iowa States and teams like that. We can't have that. I think they kind of panicked. Not to say that it doesn't work. I mean, we've seen lesser-named coaches or more uh, questionable coaches work out great. So, you know, coaching hires are kind of like crap shoot in terms of will they work, will they won't work. Do I think this is going to be particularly great? Uh, not really. Uh, no ties to the Texas area. Jimbo Fisher's Aggies are coming fast yeah. uh, and I'll tell you what, I thought that that was going to be a, a bad experiment. That does not look like a bad experiment. They look as serious as Texas A&M has ever looked in, since I've been watching college football. Yeah, that's saying something because they just had Johnny Benzo. Right, exactly. And there was a time where there was a really a lot of excitement there around that time. They look, This looks beyond the height of Kellen Sumlin. They look like they're building something serious. So I think that they panicked and... Now they just went for the guy that would be the quickest guy they could hire who has had some success. I, 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 fish out of water there, hires can just be very NFL. risky. There are no names in the NFL that wanted them to touch that Texas job. Now, I know right now coaching in college, to me, that's what this is telling me. Is that I know we keep saying that, it's, that it seems like it's easy and it recruits itself, but if it was easy, it would have been done already. Like, I don't know why, why Texas is such a hard nut to crack for so many people, but it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, it's a beautiful city. It's a great campus life. The tradition is rich. Conference is easily conference is conference is winnable. The recruiting within the conference is very easy because there's a lot of regional teams. So keeping kids home that helps. Like, I mean, it seems like it makes sense why they shouldn't be. It seems it makes sense why they would be a national power, but. 
I don't know what it is, but, you know, we've seen now multiple coaches since Mac Brown not be able to do it. Guys that we thought could do it, you know. We thought, yeah, guys, strong, like, we thought strong and Herman were going to do it. And and they, they, they struggled, you know. And we talk about the law of opposites that's been – when you're talking about hiring in sports, a lot of times you hire somebody who's – you don't hire a similar – a coach with a similar profile. And they hired – Herman, they hired a guy who, while yes, he was the offense coordinator at, at, at Ohio State, like he was the Power Five darling, you know, like he was the he was the what whatever you think, you know, Luke Fickle is now at Cincinnati, or Josh Heupel at UCF, like that's what that's what Herman was before that. So they went for all right, we're just gonna hire the 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 big name offense coordinator this time, and. I mean, I would have just gone super different. I would have hired an NFL guy. That's the only. That's the only thing they haven't done since they brought in, uh, since they got rid of Mac Brown. Is hire an NFL coach, and maybe an NFL coach wasn't interested because I don't know. Maybe you don't want to coach college football right right about now during the pandemic. But to me, I'm I'm picking up the phone with somebody. I'm picking. I'm calling up. I don't even know. Telling more. I mean, Boise State tried to bring in Kellen Moore, and they couldn't. They couldn't get that done. But I tell you what, I tell you what, though, it is kind of nasty that they uh, they fired Herman after National Signing Day <laughs> in the letters of intent were all signed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. It's the business. Uh, it's 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 messed up. Uh, I hate it for these kids. Uh, luckily, I think these kids will probably be able to get out of it. If they really want to. But, yeah, I, I mean, know. this uh, this is probably the, the the easiest year to get out of any agreement you have to a school, given the COVID situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, that, but still, like, it did seem like they just waited for that all that to be done. Because, like, why would they fire him at this? You know, I I, say, I think that they also watch what happened in the uh, Final Four. But you know, how do you wait? How do you <laughs> have a great bowl game? And you know, the record was a little disappointing, but it was a decent season. And you're like, oh no, we're firing him now. We're hiring Seahawks teasing. It's like. So like, you, you need to get out, not out of here, but you just couldn't do it at the time. When you told me that they fired Tom Herman, I was like, wow. So, they, I mean, at this point, like, they must be bringing somebody. Yeah, you thought that's someone big. Everyone did. Yeah. Maybe it Meyer? Like, is it, I mean, who? Joe Brady? Like, who are they bringing in? And it's Steve Sarkeesian. And you're like, wow. I mean, this is, I mean, I mean it's a name, but it's not a, uh, certainly not a high. Not a name like but any Texas ties. Nope. It's just it's just a name. It's just somebody that they can bring in and resell to the fans and to the boosters. And I mean, I'm just, I don't even think know. he's a Especially, name. To, to me, I don't think to me, I don't think Steve Sarkeesian is even a name. To me, like he's had no I mean, major success as a head coach. Would you? He's had no major success as a head coach. No, he's had no major success. I mean, he's had he's had major storylines as a head coach, right? But a lot of them have been bad, right? None of them have been good. I'm not saying he's a. I, I, that's why I'm, he's not a big name or a great name. He's just a name. He's some he's somebody. Cool. <laughs> I, I guess. But I mean, it's not anything that'll that'll get you super excited. It's especially for a Texas, you know, administration and athletic department that. Is seeing this season in basketball, what you can do when maybe you give a Stay coach patient. some time. Yeah. Like, Shaka Smart probably should have been gone last year. They would have fired him last year. 
and they probably would have had they not had Greg Brown, mm-hmm. top five recruit, top ten recruit in the country. They probably would have had him. And then they would not have had the season having this season. Maybe they would have, but they're not now they're maybe we turn the corner, maybe we're maybe we're gonna be the power of the Big Twelve going forward. As bad as Kansas has looked and you know, Texas Tech is we don't know what they are, so this may be our conference coming soon. Like maybe if they would have had that wherewithal now, again, I'm not saying Tom Herman was gonna turn that thing around, but if you're gonna fire Tom Herman to hire Steve Sarkeesian, you better have a good reason to do so. I I mean I haven't gotten it yet. The only explanation to me, not the only explanation, but the only way that this is forgiven in the short term is if he can get Quinn Ewers, who's the number one quarterback in the country for next season in high school, who's from Texas and was committed to Texas and then decommitted and is now committed to Ohio State. If he can get Quinn Ewers, the number one player in the country, to recommit to Texas, and I Sarkeesian recruited him at Alabama, so... You know, if he can get him to recommit to Texas, then it'll all be worth it, probably. But because that's like bringing in Trevor Lawrence, you know, like I mean, yeah, you'll, you, I'll get rid of Tom Herman to bring in a, that kind of prospect. But you know, I'm not convinced, you know, that that's going to be able to be to get done. And if that doesn't get done, then there's nothing else that really is exciting me about this Arkeesian hire. So, look, if you're if you're a Texas fan, go Horns. But um, I, you know, Vince Young, Ricky Williams, not walking through that door. <laughs> shout out to the Texas Longhorns Shout out to uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, Congrats on the job um, Surprise <laughs> Not that I expected But we'll see uh, We'll see how it the ends name up, not come up We had a long conversation about this A month, month or a month and a half ago And I don't think the name Steve Sarkeesian even came up Nope We talked about Brett Venables <laughs> But we not yeah. talking about Sarkeesian So uh, funny with, uh, yeah, with life Yeah I I guess uh, Texas, like the coordinators who won their conference, uh, semi, their, their championship semifinal games. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's that's going to be it for us. This is a long podcast, but um, man, if you think we've been shorting you on football, we didn't short you on football today. This was a lot of football talk, but it was enjoyable. A little bit of a shake I know we've been covering a lot of hoops recently, and we'll definitely get back on our hoops grind very shortly. Um, but that's going to do it for this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk podcast. You can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. It's a new year, so expect some new content coming up uh, very, very soon. So make sure you keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Also, make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Instagram, Action EJ can, can be found uh, on Twitter, at NewGenKen. That does it for now. Thank you so much for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.